Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is our very special, long-awaited Shang-Chi The Legend of the Ten Rings open spoiler discussion. I have been waiting to talk about this movie in an open spoiler way for, gosh, when did I see the premiere? Almost a month ago? Almost a month ago. Three weeks ago, almost a month ago, whatever. I've been waiting for so long to talk about this movie with everybody. I'm so stacked. You guys, of course, remember that I, uh, I came out of the premiere. I put up my initial reaction. I said, it is my favorite comic book movie since Logan. Uh, it is my favorite martial arts film since The Raid. Not that it's as good as Logan or The Raid. It's just my, my favorite since then. And uh, I was pretty much losing my mind for this movie. Bunch of you guys, all of you guys have hopefully had a chance to see it now. And we're going to talk in an open spoiler discussion format. Now, obviously... As the title implies, this is a spoiler discussion. If you've not seen Shang-Chi yet, or you don't want to know what the spoilers are, you shouldn't be here right now. Just bookmark this video, come back and watch it after you've seen Shang-Chi. Otherwise, you've been warned. We're going to talk about open spoilers. So, again, you I don't have to spend any time going into what I thought about the movie. I've been talking about this movie for weeks. I've seen it five times. I'm going to go see it for a sixth time tomorrow. By the way... Uh, no regular John Campia show tomorrow. There's going to be, we're going to do a live Ask Me Anything video uh, later in the afternoon tomorrow, but there's not going to be a live John Campia because it's a holiday uh, Monday and I'm going to go see Shang-Chi again at 11 a.m. <laughs> Ann and I have booked a private AMC theater to go watch Shang-Chi uh, ourselves. So very much looking forward to that. And we're going to, we've invited some friends to come with us to that, so, to our private screening. So anyway, um, yeah, you guys know I love it. I think it's fantastic. So we're just going to take today to take your observations, your thoughts, your comments, and any questions you have about Shang-Chi. Now, remember the tip link down in the description of this video, that is for questions being sent into the John Campia show, the regular show. For these special videos, if you want to send in a common observation, thought, or a question, use the YouTube Super Chat feature, and that's how you'll get on. Now, I'm only going to leave the Super Chat feature on for a little while longer, uh, because at some point I'm going to have to turn it off or we'll be here all day. But uh, it is going to stay open for the next little while, so there you have it. So, okay, guys, <clears throat> let's get over and start taking your thoughts on Shang-Chi. Let's get into it here. Black Rice writes in, uh, John, you were right. The movie was great. I knew I was going to love this movie about five minutes in breathtakingly beautiful opening scene. Dude, that whole first scene with Tony Leung attacking the kingdoms with the rings and stuff like that. And he's like foo, 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 blocking the arrows and he starts kicking everybody. Yeah, you're right. Five minutes in, you knew this movie was going to be special. Glad you liked it. Black rice. All right. Uh, let's see. James Welsh writes. I don't know if you remember, John, but I asked you a while back if Brie Larson would be in Shang-Chi because she's been in all of Destin's films. You said no. Well, and she wasn't in the movie. She did make an appearance in the post credits. Like, I remember back then, like, you're asking, was she going to be a character in the film? No. And she wasn't. But, you know, with the post credit scenes, anything can happen. But, man, that post credit scene was awesome. That post credit scene was absolutely awesome. Um, it was great seeing Bruce. By the way, when did Bruce get the ability to not be in Hulk form, Professor Hulk form anymore? That's interesting. Anyway, fabulous, fabulous movie. Uh, absolutely exceptional. Fantastic action. Fantastic writing. Fantastic dialogue all across the board. And uh, yeah, there you have it. All right, next up. Uh, let's see here. We got Black Rice also writes, 
There's a lot to unpack with the mid credit scenes. Absolutely. I guess Bruce found a way out of being Professor Hulk. Who are the 10 rings sending a message to, though? No idea. Now, they've already broken with the comic books a little bit um, with with the whole movie. So the I don't think the comic books give us any clue. I don't think the comics give us any clue, but that I think is going to be a significant thing, not just for Shang-Chi, but I think for the MCU as a whole. I think where whoever or whatever the rings are sending that pulse out to, I think that's going to be an MCU thing, not just a Shang-Chi thing. So anyway, we'll see as we go, though. All right, next up, we got uh, Remmer Bulldog writes, uh, hey, John. Here's my honest thoughts about Shang-Chi. It was amazing action, was great. The story was great. The family dynamic was great. The characters were all well-written. Definitely a top-tier MCU film. Yeah, for me, it's easily... um, For me, it's easily a top five MCU film ever made. Maybe top three or four. Um, Maybe top three or four. But yeah, the movie is absolutely phenomenal. I It just... Oh, God. Like, I mean, I still think the original Avengers is better. I still think, you know, Winter Soldier is better. But it's been a while since we've had an MCU movie this good. Like, I, I people get mad at me for saying it. I don't, I don't give a shit if people get mad at me for saying it. I think this is a better movie overall than Endgame. I think this is a better movie overall than Infinity War. And I, and I love Infinity War and Endgame. I do. But, you know, a lot of what makes Endgame and Infinity War so amazing to watch is a, is a lot of fan service and whatever. And just as a movie with its plot and its story and its characters and its dynamic, I, I just think this is a better film than, than those two. That's just me personally. Not everybody's going to agree and that's totally fine. I'm just letting you know how I feel about it personally, but uh, that is how I feel about it. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, next up we have um, Samuel C. 137 writes, love this movie, but not beat Beat action scene since the raid. Uh, the bathroom fight in Mission Impossible Fallout and knife room in the beginning of the first two glass room fights at the end of John Wick 3, in my opinion. Nah, nah, the action in John Wick isn't as good. Certainly not the martial arts. The thing about John Wick is this. Most of the action in John Wick isn't even martial arts. It's it's what they call, you know, this thing they made up for uh, the movies called Gun, Gun Fu. Gun Fu. Right. You take away the guns. The action's still good. I but look, I said, I think the martial arts in this are the best we've seen since uh, the raid. And I stand by that. It is the stuff in the the one fight scene in that Mission Impossible's movie was good, but it's not really a martial arts scene. And it's just one scene. This was like throughout the movie, the fight between Shang-Chi and. Uh, and uh, Xia Ling in the in the ring, amazing. The fight on the bus, one of the best I've ever seen. The big battle sequence at the end, fantastic. I just, every, it was all throughout. So yes, I stand by it. I think this is the best martial arts we've seen in a movie since the raid. Better than John Wick, because a lot of John Wick was, the, was gun-fu than anything else. And certainly better than anything we've seen in Mission Impossible. But again, you're just talking about one scene in Mission Impossible. So I don't think that's uh, that's an equivalent to what I was talking about at all. All right, next up. Uh, Samuel writes, that Bud fight was amazing nonetheless. I have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> Is that in Mission? I don't know if that's Mission Impossible. A Bud fight? I don't understand. Sorry about that. Uh, okay, next up. We got Pedro Faria who writes, wow, can't believe the way these rings were used. It was breathtaking, so creative. The credit scene, who or what is getting the beacon hype? Yes. 
Yes. Um, okay. So again, the beacon is going to be, I think a big question more than Shang-Chi. So we'll see where that goes, but yeah, the way they use the rings was wonderful. And what I especially liked about it is they never pretended the rings could do anything, right? The rings couldn't magically enchant people and the rings couldn't change, you know, stone into clay and the rings. I mean, so it was very defined what the rings could do, but then the creative ways in which they use the rings was amazing. Mm. I even liked one of my favorite uses of the rings wasn't even in the fight. It was the way when Wu would like he blasts off from one side of the lake and then as he's getting ready to fall and land on the other side of the lake, he uses the rings to cushion his fall. I just thought that was incredibly creative. I just thought it was absolutely incredibly creative. And I, and I love the way they did that. All right. Next up, Kyle Arking writes, I love the relationship between Shang-Chi and his mother. It was beautiful. Uh, Destin's great at directing family. I recommend his uh, film Short Term 12, which is amazing, and The Glass Castle. Um, listen, <clears throat> I remember when we were watching the movie, that first scene when Shang-Chi's mother comes on screen and she's got that wickedly badass bamboo mask. Oh, that was great. But the moment she took it off too, my wife, Anne is like, that is the most fucking beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. And it's true. She's like disarmingly beautiful, but the tenderness between her and Shang-Chi was so beautiful. That shit was done so wonderfully. So absolutely. When Destin is turning into a director to watch, man, he's totally turning into a director to watch. And by the way, I just want to shout out Francis, uh, Dionisio who sends in like a $50 super chat badge in the live chat, like without a question or anything, just puts in a super chat badge. Francis, thank you so much, man, for supporting our channel on that level, dude. We really appreciate that very much. Thank you to you, my friend. All right, let's move on here. Uh, a three writes, Hey, John, I've seen it twice. I like it a lot. Not sure I love it. Uh, liked seeing Trevor, uh, but he kind of overstays his welcome for me. Still, the MCU just proves that they're always a good time. B or B plus for me. Yeah, see, here's the thing. I, unfortunately, at the premiere, we saw Ben Kingsley on the red carpet. So it's like, oh, well, I guess he's in the movie. So that little surprise was spoiled for us. Still. When Trevor came on, I was very worried about the character, that it was just going to be nonstop silliness with him in it. And while there, it is a lot of silliness, I got to say, I thought, especially once the action started happening, they used him very sparingly and they only, you know, had him drop in things when it was really appropriate. And by the way, Midway, one of my biggest laughs in the movie was halfway through the big battle sequence at the end, when Morris sees Ben Kingsley like dead on the ground, oh, just, just performance, mate. Now get down with me. And then Morris like flips over on his back. I don't care what anybody else says. I laughed my fucking ass off at that scene. I thought that scene was amazing. I, I loved it. And then the whole speech about, I said, mom, how'd they, you know, get the mic? So it's acting. It's like, oh, they were acting like they were riding horses. I, that whole speech killed me. So, if they used him much more than they did use him for, I think I would have gotten tired of it, but they used him so sparingly. Like from the moment they meet him in the prison, he's in it until they get through the forest. So there's that one little 
space of time in the movie that he's actually in. And then after they get through the forest and get to Talo, then he's only got like two quick scenes, including the one when he's playing dead. And they used him the perfect amount. And, and I found it brought great levity and humor and they didn't overdo it with him. Because I think with that Trevor character, you totally could have overdone it, but they didn't. They used him the exact right amount. And for me, it made, made the character really, really work. And I enjoyed seeing him in there. All right. Next up, Ismail Montoya writes, John, Shang-Chi is amazing. It jumped up to me for the second favorite comic book movie. Anyway, recall the credit scene uh, where no one IDs what the Ten Rings are made of. What if rings are from the future, not the past? Uh, what if the rings are original from Kang or some villain in the future? Uh, it's, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. But remember, Bruce does say an analysis of the material shows that they're much, much older than a thousand years. Now, it's possible that they were super old in the future and then sent back. I mean, that's possible, too. Uh, frankly, I mean, without a lot of information, I really doubt it has anything to do with Kang. Honestly, I don't think Kang is the next big bad guy in the MCU. Like everybody's assuming like Kang is the next Thanos. And I actually don't think he is. I think he's going to be a villain that's used here and there and probably significantly. But I don't think personally that Kang is the overarching like main villain of the thing. And everything is going to be connected to Kang moving forward. I, I personally don't think so, but we'll see. Then again, um, it coming from the future is a possibility. I don't think so. I think the message of the post credit scene was that it's ancient, but you never know. They could go that way. All right, next up. Thanks for that, Ismail. Next up, Dan White writes, Wen Wu is a top five MCU villain for me, probably top three. Uh, Tony Leung is a legend, and I'm really happy this movie is going to introduce him to an entirely new audience. Guys, again, if you've never seen Infernal Affairs, Infernal Affairs is my all-time number one cop film all-time number one cop film. And uh, it's it's the one that Marty Scorsese later remade into The Departed, that one best picture. That's a remake of Infernal Affairs. Starring Tony Leung, you got to go back and watch it. Dude's a master. Absolute master. All right. Next up, uh, Ethan Holgate writes, did I? Yes. Ethan Holgate writes, Hey John, man, you and Rob are hundred percent right. Truly what an incredible film, easily the best fantasy film made in years. Getting Ben Kingsley was unexpectedly genius in my opinion. And I see why Aaron loves chicken pig. I'm telling you the moment Morris came on screen, the first time he comes out from behind that curtain, Aaron was practically in tears. She loved Morris right from the beginning. Every time he was on screen, she would like clench her fists and smile big. It's chicken pig, ladies and gentlemen. Now Rob's going to be looking for, uh, Rob's going to be looking for uh, a chicken pig Morris hot toy. You just watch. They'll probably come out with one. All right. Jay Meister 25 writes, I love this movie. I just with, uh, wish Death Dealer had a more satisfying payoff. Uh, his fight with Shang-Chi was interrupted, was expecting that to be revisited. Uh, if you're talking about the um, uh, the the uh, face painted instructor, I, I don't know if that's his name, Death Dealer. I honestly don't know. But if that's who you're talking about, I we did get the payoff. We did get the payoff when they fight in the building. That was our sign. That was the the completion of his arc, really, because the whole purpose of that character was to show that, you know, I mean, he was always beaten on Shang Chi. But Shang-Chi has now exceeded him. 
Shang-Chi has surpassed him. That was the whole point of that character to show that Shang-Chi didn't just leave and became, you know, stagnant. He has continued to improve and gain power and all that kind of stuff. So when you see them fighting again in the building, Shang-Chi beats him and was going to kill him. He was going to kill him until his father stopped him. So to me, that was the completion of that character. There was no need to revisit it. Shang-Chi squarely beat him. In, you know, w, in WWE terminology, it was a clean win. He fought him, he beat him, he was about to kill him, and he was going to kill him until his father stopped him. That's it. Fight's done. Nope, there's no need. There's nothing else needed for that character to do. So then they use that character again a little bit later to be, I think, the first one that gets soul-sucked, which I thought was a nice little use of him too, but I thought that character was used perfectly. Any more use of him would have just been beating a dead horse, in my opinion, at any rate. But I did love that fight, like, an awful lot. All right, next up. Uh, CMG2491 writes, one of three. Hey, John, uh, this movie was everything you said it would be and more. I had It had great action, amazing storytelling, and lots of great funny moments. Um, uh, my question is this. The signal Wong said had been sent out from the Ten Rings will be connected to the Deviants and, exter- and in Eternals or something else uh, further down the line. That could be the next Avengers-level threat. Thanks, and bring on the filthy. Maybe. I mean, I don't think it's going to be brought up in Eternals. I really don't think it's going to have anything to do with Eternals. Could be wrong, but I don't think it's going to have anything to do with Eternals. Um, I do, like I said before already, I do think it's going to be bigger than just Shang-Chi. Now, it does, I I don't necessarily think, I I mean, I don't know. Were they sent by Galactus? Maybe, I I, I don't know. But I, how big of a role it's going to play in the MCU, not sure. But I do think it's going to be something that's more than just a Shang-Chi thing. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, next up, Cesar Rivera writes, Hey, John, love this movie. Me too. I found it interesting, however, that Banner was not in his Hulk form. Yeah, I did too. That's the first thing I noticed. Uh, do you think he's only projecting himself that way or is he actually reverted back to human form? Thanks for bringing on the filthy. No, no, no. He's, he's reverted back to human form. Like, why would he project himself as something that make? there's no purpose for that? Everybody knows him as Professor Hulk now. So there's, it's not like he had to pretend to be something else. So no, I don't think he just projected himself as something else. He's back in human form and we just don't know how or why. But then again, the MCU does lots of things where they never tell us how or why, but, and that, that's okay. All right, next up. Uh, Jack, Jack, one, two, one writes, I loved this. My only complaint is that it got a little too busy for me in the end with dragons fighting. I don't know, man. I was almost in tears watching that, Uh, but it was still cool. These two have great chemistry. Also, I want to see more of Abomination. You know, here's the thing. I was very excited because, you know, I've been saying for years that they need to bring Abomination back and they will. And I got very excited to see Abomination in the trailer, but this is not an Abomination movie, like in any way, shape or form. I think, I honestly think it was just there because remember, we're going to see Abomination in the She-Hulk show. So I really think he was just there to kind of say, hey, everybody remember Abomination? And they had a really great scene with him and Wong. And then that served its purpose. And now we'll see Abomination again later on. But this isn't an Abomination movie. The story's not about him. Neither the primary nor the secondary storylines have anything to do with him. So he just would have been taking up screen time needlessly. 
Stay focused on the movie. Stay focused on the story. And so while I love Abomination, I was personally, personally, I was good that they didn't just have him up on screen just for the sake of having him up on screen. You know what I'm saying? But that's just me. All right. But I am looking forward to seeing him in She-Hulk. So we'll see what kind of role he plays there. All right. Next up, we got Sam Fisher who writes, uh, John, I saw Shang-Chi two times and I loved it. The action, the visuals, the story were all amazing. I love seeing creatures from Eastern mythology in a Western movie. Yeah, the moment, I'll say this, I'll say this. There were times that these creatures looked like the CGI looked a little iffy. Like the foxes, the white foxes with the multiple tails, that looked beautiful. But like the dragon horses that walked in front of the car, that looked a little iffy to me, to be honest with you. But still, the whole notion that you're in Taolo, it is this mystical place. It's it's a mythical place. It's magical. And it kind of did communicate that message. But at times, some of those creatures, the CG looked, like I said, to me, it looked a little bit iffy, but still it made the point. Um, it made the point of, uh, of what Taolo was. And I, I think it worked on that level. Okay. Next up, uh, we've got the Ibrian troll who writes Shang-Chi was great, but I didn't understand what the deal with the post credit, uh, assuming when Wu sent, uh, sent it to Shang-Chi, why create the deception? Uh, oh no, not the post credit, the postcard, the postcard. Okay. I get it. I get it. Um, to me, I asked myself the same question, seeing the movie for the first time. Like, it's not like Wen Wu needed Shang-Chi to lead him to his sister because he obviously already knew the address. As he said in the movie, I always know where my children are. I, I, I'm never going to try to do a, a Tony the Young accent again because I just blew it completely. Anyway, um, I think literally he just wanted them in the same place. I honestly think that's it. He wanted them in the same place. So, and... I think he was kind of hoping that Shang-Chi, because remember, Shang-Chi said he got the postcard a couple of months ago. So I'm thinking Wen Wu probably was hoping that Shang-Chi would get that message and then go to Macau, be with his sister, and then he there. He's got his two kids together. Boom. But he never went. So he went and, you know, got it from him himself and then waited for him to get to Macau so he could have the two of them together. So that's that's what I think it was all about. When Wu just wanted his children together, I think. That's my guess at any rate. We'll see. All right, next up. Um, Sam Fisher writes, Tony Young stole the show for me. He was great. Can we talk about Wen Wu? I think he is the best Marvel villain other than Thanos. I loved him. Uh, I mean, he was... Look, we've said this for a while. Amongst all the things that the MCU does really well, their villains have not always been their strength. Let's, let's be honest. They have a couple of great ones. Thanos, obviously. Um, uh, Killmonger, obviously. Uh, Loki, obviously. But Warmonger, the Dark Elves, they don't always have the best villains, right? So having somebody like Wen Wu in there, who's so multidimensional. I loved how at the end of the day, look, you could almost say Shang-Chi was really about Wen Wu, about a man who for thousands of years have had these rings of power and his life was on one path. And then he met this incredible woman who totally changed him and he became a family man. And then that woman was taken away from him. And what happens to a man when the most important person in his world is taken away from him? And that 
puts him on a very dark path again. He reunites with his children after thinking he's hearing his wife's voice again, and he wants to go and save his wife. What more noble thing is there than that? He wants to save his wife, but it's actually deception. And in the end, when he realized that he was deceived, his last act was to save his son and then pass on the rings to his son. And in many ways, you could have called this movie Shang-Chi and Wenwu. I mean, that could have been the name of it because this is very much a Wenwu story, almost as much as Shang-Chi. So it was absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I love that character played so perfectly. Just great. And next up, uh, CMG writes one of two. Also, Wen Wu and Ying Li's love story was so great. And I also loved how Wen Wu's motivation was to save her, not simply destroy everything. True. I, um, um, uh, even though it wasn't really her, it was that little story beat that gave him more depth as a villain instead of just relying on cliched motives. I completely agree. And I just finished saying the exact same thing. Absolutely. And right from like this movie had like my wife, Anne completely hooked in that first fight scene between Wenwu and Lee as they're fighting and she's got his arm locked and doing the spin and the cameras cutting back and forth between her face and his face. Like, come on, this is a fucking, this is, this is the best romance the MCU's ever had. That's the best romance the MCU's ever had. I'll say it's the best romance for all of Disney since up, since the opening scene of up with Carl and his wife. I mean, it was beautiful and gorgeous. I mean, this movie was fun and action, but it was also romantic and touching. It was, ah, freaking awesome. Just freaking awesome. Okay. Uh, next up, uh, where are we at? Um, CMG one, two. Okay. Now we're at Sam Fisher writes. I love that this, uh, that his first English line was, I told you my, I told my men uh, they wouldn't be able to kill you. I think that's so telling of the character. Uh, I, I, I fully thought Wenwu was lying about hearing Ying Li just to get Shang-Chi and Zhe Ling back on his side until we saw the next scene where he hears her. Uh, I love the parallel of Shang-Chi and, uh, and uh, Ying Li's leading Wenwu by the arm in the beginning at the end, a completely different look on Wenwu's face. Yeah, absolutely to all of that. I mean, of course, they put that one line in the trailer, right? I told my men they wouldn't be able to kill you. Well, I'm glad I was I'm glad I was right. I mean, that says a lot about the absolute belief he has in Shang-Chi. So that was pretty cool, too. And yeah, that whole fight was amazing. It was, first of all, it was very Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which I absolutely loved. But then it also had the emotion. Because remember, I always say this. Action without narrative purpose is just visual noise, right? I believe that wholeheartedly. Action in movies without narrative purpose is just visual noise. And what was going on in that fight in the forest? They were telling a story. A story was being told in that action. It, it, just, it just heightens it so much. And I thought it was effing beautiful. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up. Sam Fisher writes, and then at the end, I think Wenwu was totally ready to give up his search and his organization and the rings and just be a father again. Then he died. Yeah, again, there's something so beautiful about that whole, the entire character journey of Wenwu in this movie. From what we see him as a warlord at the beginning 
to his final act being pushing Shang-Chi to safety, saving his son's life, and then passing on the rings. Absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. All right, Frankie Gouge writes, one thing I was impressed by is how they is how they took something that could have been a gimmicky cameo with Trevor and made it work. Uh, ben Kingsley squeezed every ounce out of, out of the role, um, uh, much like uh, Endgame did The Dark World. Shang-Chi improved Iron Man 3 for me. <laughs> I guess that's one way to look at it. I don't know if Shang-Chi improved Iron Man 3 for me. I don't hate Iron Man 3, by the way. I, I know a lot of people are very angry at Iron Man 3. I... I, I personally thought Iron Man 3 was much better than Iron Man 2, but that's just me, whatever. But again, I think they used him perfectly. And they didn't just have him pop up for the sake of popping up. Like, they gave him narrative function because only he understands Morris. So not only did they have him in there, and not only did they use him the right way, and not only did they resist the urge to overuse him, they also gave the character narrative purpose for being there. And that's key. And a lot of movies get that part wrong. All right. Uh, next up. Where are we at here? Uh, Sam Fisher writes, I also love that during the map scene, Wen Wu is wearing a suit and sandals. I mean, I guess that's the fashion of the day. By the way, Tony Leung can pull anything off. Tony Leung can wear anything and look badass. Uh, Sam also writes, a lot of the movie reminded me of Hero. That's true, the Jet Li film, especially when Wen Wu versus Ying Li, uh, Shang-Chi versus Nan, and Shang-Chi versus Wen Wu with the green and yellow and black. Beautiful use of color. Uh, like, Hero is probably from a color palette point of view, Hero is probably the most visually beautiful film ever made. If you've never seen Jet Li's Hero, every single frame of that movie utilizes primary color and it's gorgeous. Every single frame is a piece of art. Like literally, like a, literally you could take any frame of that movie and hang it on your wall. It's beautiful. And yeah, there was, there was definitely elements of that in there. Absolutely definite elements in there. Uh, Calvin Patel is saying in the live chat, I need to watch hero. You absolutely do. Calvin, you absolutely do. It's beautiful, wonderfully told story. I think one of Jet Li's best. All right, next up. Uh, we have Sam Fisher writes, uh, was it just me or did the color of the rings under Wen Wu's control change color? The whole movie, they glowed purple, but in the last scene, scene they glowed blue. You know what I never noticed? I never actually noticed. Um, I like, obviously they changed color once the, when they were, once rings were under Shang-Chi's control, they changed color. I don't know if that's an aura thing, uh, or not, but I don't remember if while under the control of Wen Wu, if they ever changed color, I thought they were always the same color under, under, um, under Wen Wu. And I've got people in the live chat, like a uh, yellow CT, uh, Lord genome. They're all saying that it was always blue. Uh, under Wen Wu, uh, Wen Wu was always blue. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought so too. But I don't, next time I see it, tomorrow morning, my sixth screening, I will particularly look out for that and see if I notice any, uh, any difference there. All right, next up. Uh, Sam also writes, I love the bus fight, but I wasn't a fan of the streamer. I would have preferred the comedy come from Shang-Chi gra grabbing, uh, grabbing random thing, La Jackie Chan. I disagree. I disagree. And every time I've seen this movie, the live streamer guy, yo, 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 what's up on the bus? Now, I've seen it with five different audiences now. And maybe your audiences were different. I can't 
give commentary on how your audience has reacted, but every one of the five audiences I was a part of, as soon as that live streaming guy came on, people were laughing their asses off. I thought he was hilarious. I especially love the one line he said when he says, uh, you know, the bus driver's out, but I'm not going to take control. Every time I try to drive a bus, I get yelled at. I'm just like, all I'm now thinking was, I want to know the story of the other times you try to b- drive a bus. I thought the dude was hilarious. And again, like Trevor, they didn't overuse him. Like they threw in those lines here and there and they didn't overuse him. And I just, I thought he was really funny. I thought it was really, and again, it had narrative purpose, right? Because him making that video is why people at the club knew and that his sister knew he would be coming. So even that, like every little thing here, Destin put in as the director, everything had a narrative function or a narrative purpose. And I, even the bus guy, even the bus guy. All right. Uh, Next up, Sam also writes, I really thought that both uh, uh, Z Lang and Nan were going to be dead by the end of the movie. Glad uh, to see I was wrong. Yeah, I actually kind of thought when they're on the dragon and she says to him, let me go. I, I kind of felt like that was her character coming full circle going. Yeah. D- depending on what's going on, you need to let go. And I've been so angry at you for letting me go, even though you had to get away from dad that now I've come full circle and to me, saving the world is more important than saving me. Let me go. And I honestly thought he was going to look at her with love and she would look at him with approval and he would let go. And I kind of thought that's what was going to happen, but they showed him coming full circle. It's like, you know what? I may have thought I was justified leaving you alone there because I had to get away from dad, but I should never have left you. And I am right or wrong saving the world or not, I am never leaving you again. I'm never letting you go again. I mean, if you got to go to the bathroom, yeah. But I'm saying, like, I'm never going to let you down again. So they both kind of came full circle in there. And I, I thought that was really great. All right, uh, next up. Uh, the Iberian Troll writes, regarding the mid credit scene, I assume that we were seeing astral projections. Otherwise, I don't get why Bruce wouldn't be wouldn't be in Hulk form. No, those weren't astral projections. They were that was their technology. Remember, it's the same technology they used at uh, I think it was the beginning. Was it the beginning of Endgame or was it Infinity War when Black Widow? I think no, it was the beginning of Infinity War when Black Widow is in Avengers headquarters and she's talking to all of them. So that wasn't astral projection. That was literally a calm. Cause remember she turns off her calm and everything. So no, it wasn't astral projection. All right. Um, and it was end game. Everybody's reminding me live chat that it was end game. Yes. So remember she's talking to all the different people around the world. It was, that's their technology. It's the same one war machine was using when he was talking to uh, secretary Ross. Remember? So yes, it was not astral projection. All right. Next up. Uh, Sam Fisher writes, while Shang-Chi and Katie were completely believable as friends, can we talk about how Katie and Zeling also became friends really fast? Um, I don't know that they became friends really fast. I think that she just liked her immediately. Like Katie sees this girl go in and fight like a badass and finds out she like created a random club. She instantly liked her. And there was something about her that Zeling instantly liked about Katie. So it's not like they became lifelong ride or die friends immediately, but they did clearly immediately like each other. And I kind of like that, especially when they're talking in a room and she says, I realized my father wasn't get, let me be a part of his empire. I was going to build my own. And Katie's like, hell yeah. Like she's like, everything she says makes Katie like this girl more. I thought that was pretty good. All right. 
Uh, let's see. Um, where are we at? We are at Sam Fisher writes. I was not expecting ben, ben Kingsley to be in so much of the movie. I thought he would be in one scene, not the whole uh, back half of the film. I actually, Sam, I, I bet you this. I would put money on this. I would bet he has less than 12 minutes of screen time. I'm willing to bet that he's got less than 12 minutes of screen time. And that includes the whole big opening scene in the dungeon, the scene in the car and everything. I, I will bet it's probably less than 12 minutes of screen time. So no, he wasn't in the entire back half of the film. He wasn't on screen. Honestly, other than that one sliver of the film for when they meet him in the, in the prison to when they escape in the car and then gets to how low he's really not in the film much. So I think you might be over, estimating how much of the film he was actually in. But anyway, that's just me. All right, uh, next up. Sam also writes, I also love that Kingsley is able to not take himself too seriously and play a complete fool. Hey, listen, Sir Ben Kingsley, Academy Award-winning Ben Kingsley. He can do anything on screen, man. Kingsley can do anything. Uh, Sam also writes, Morris not having a face kind of freaks me out. Also, Morris was voiced by D. Bradley Baker, though he's credited as just D. Baker. I'm going to let you know, off the top of my head, I don't even know who that is. I, I honestly don't know who that is. Can you guys in the live chat let me know uh, who is this? Uh, who is D. Bradley Baker? It, maybe it's somebody I should know, but I've I've I don't recall. Him. By the way, uh, Lord Leon sends in a twenty dollars super chat badge in the live chat just to be supportive. Not even sending in a question or anything. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that very much. Okay, I got people writing in now. I've got uh, Ill Stevens is saying that he vo- did the voice of the clones in Clone Wars. Okay. And Billy the Kid is also saying the same thing, that he did the voice uh, of Clone Wars. Okay, didn't know that. Adorable. Uh, Morris is adorable. Chicken pig, chicken pig. All right, thanks, everybody. Uh, Sam also writes, the MCU has been doing this thing where the, I don't know what MCS is, uh, is really then end of the movie. Uh, They did it with Far From Home, and they did it here. Don't know how I feel about it. I, I honestly don't know what we're talking about, Sam. Sorry about that. Uh, next up, Cam writes, uh, welcome to the Circus Shang-Chi. Can't wait to see him in the future films. Uh, hope he shows up before Shang-Chi 2, which I'm sure will be made. Oh, yeah, especially with the opening weekend box office. Especially with the opening weekend box office. This movie didn't make as much as Black Widow, but you'd have to have been a fool to think that Shang-Chi was going to make, you'd have to have been a fool to think that a movie with one of the biggest movie stars in the world in Scarlett Johansson with one of the most popular MCU characters who's been in seven, eight or nine MCU films compared against a brand new character with no big name stars that no one's seen yet before. You'd have to have been a fool to think it was going to make as much as that. So it didn't make as much as Black Widow, which I never thought it would, but it made more than I thought it would. It made a good 20 million more than I thought it would, which is fantastic. It made $71.4 million more than Fast 9. No way I thought it would have made more than Fast 9. I mean, it was much better than Fast 9, but I never would have thought like with everything working against it, the pandemic, a mediocre ad campaign, no big name stars, a characters nobody ever seen before. I underestimated how many people would like this movie as much as me. I think word of mouth just turned into a tsunami storm of momentum. And I knew everybody would like the film, but I didn't know if people would like it as much as me. Turns out a lot of people liked it as much as me. And that positive word of mouth got out there and it just shattered all box office expectations. So I suspect we'll see Shang-Chi again before Shang-Chi 2. 
say Shang-Chi 2 set 10 times fast. I believe that we will see Shang-Chi again before a Shang-Chi 2. Uh, maybe in the big role, maybe not in a big role, whatever. But yeah, I'm sure it's going to get made. All right, next up, Sam writes, why did Hulk go back to being a regular human? Hope we get the answer in She-Hulk, though it will certainly cut down on its budget now without uh, Hulk CGI. I mean, first of all, why wouldn't he? I mean, let's face it, in in Professor Hulk form, there's hardly any clothes you can wear. You can't get in any car. You're never going to have a girlfriend. Um, yeah. So now how did he make that change? Don't know, but why he would want to be able to change back to that to me seems pretty obvious. I mean, at least to me at any rate, All right? Frankie Goose writes, following up on an earlier post about Captain Marvel, I uh, read that the director loves having Brie Larson in their films, uh, may have influenced the choice for the scene. Maybe yes, maybe no, but let's be clear. The person who makes the decisions about post-credit scenes is Kevin Feige. So, but I know maybe said, look, we, we're going to have Bruce, but it makes narrative sense too, right? You have Bruce there to analyze the rings from the science perspective. And then you have Captain Marvel there to analyze them from the alien perspective, because that's the only two options. What is it from Earth? And if it's not from Earth, what is it galactically? And so narratively, it makes sense that those would be the two that would be there. And also maybe it has something to do with Brie Larson. Who knows? All right. Uh, let's see. Next up. Sam Fisher writes, uh, what do you think the 10 rings are? I think they are alien, but a race that has yet to be introduced or met by Carol, they could show up in Captain Marvel two uh, for now. Nah, they're not going to show up in Captain Marvel two. I, I, I have no doubt. They're not going to be a part of Captain Marvel two. Um, because if, if the 10 rings were essential to Captain Marvel two, that would mean you have to watch Shang-Chi in order to watch Captain Marvel two. And that's just not what Kevin Feige does. So I really don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think they're alien because while Bruce said it doesn't match anything we have on record and Wong says it doesn't match anything in our codex, Captain Marvel said it ain't any alien technology I've ever seen. And she's been from one end of the galaxy to the other. But Bruce did say, but it is ancient. So I honestly, I don't think it's going to have, I think whatever it is that the rings end up being, I think it's going to be something that's different than what they've ever said in the comics. I, th I don't think it's going to be anything they've ever said in the comics. I think it's going to be something different. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. All right, next up, Sam also writes, I also love that in the MC, I still don't know what MCS is, Wong and Hawk, sorry, Wong and Hulk talk about the circus that is being a superhero. They're totally self-aware. Uh, this life is insane. Oh, I'm guessing since that was a credit stamp, MCS is probably, guys, please don't write in acronyms. I've asked you a thousand times. Please don't write in acronyms. Anyway, mid-credit scene. Um, yeah, I did like that. Welcome to the circus. It's like, and, and Wong is like, because now, remember, the MCU is an established thing now. The superhero life is an established thing. And I did like that little conversation part of it there too. All right, Sam also writes, um, I read that this movie takes place in late March and early April of 2024. Uh, couldn't find the source, but if true, it's set right before Falcon, the winter soldier and far from home. I, I think it's irrelevant. I really don't think it matters. All that we needed to know was this does indeed happen post snap, right? We know this is in the post end game world, whether it happens right before, 
right before the events of WandaVision, right before the events of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right before the events of Falcon or uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. I think it's completely irrelevant. It clearly doesn't have any impact on the story whatsoever. So probably doesn't doesn't matter. I know this. If it was important, they would have said it in the movie. Right? Like in WandaVision, it was important. That's why they explicitly say in WandaVision, it was three weeks. Three weeks after the events of Endgame. Because it was kind of important to know that, to understand the context of what was going on. If Kevin Feige never felt it was important to say the specific date, then it's irrelevant. It won't have any implication on anything. At least uh, at, at least that's my opinion on that. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Next up. Sam also writes, uh, complaints with the end fight might have to do with the CGI water looked a little wonky and janky to me. It got a little hard to tell what was happening. I disagree. I don't, I thought the water looked great. Now I do agree that some of the CGI in the movie at times look a little janky, like the dragon horse and stuff like that. There were times and moments where the CGI was a little bit questionable for me personally. I thought the water looked great. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying my interpret my my impression of it was different than yours. I actually thought the water looked quite fantastic, but yeah, you know, that's just me. All right. Next up, uh, Sam Fisher writes. I also love that modern movies have brought back the specialty credits, although they are now at the end. These were amazing. Yeah, the MCU has really gotten into doing. You know, the the MCU credits are now broken into two parts. There's the first part of the credits, and they're always this artistic thing, right? We saw it in Black Panther. We saw it at the end of this one with everything in the water kind of shapes. And then they go into the regular scrolling credits. I really do like that. I do not miss opening credits in movies. I don't miss opening credits in movies at all. I remember when I was a kid and younger, movies would always have big opening credits and be like, oh, come on, come on, let's get to the movie. We get it. Let's get to, let's get into the movie, shall we? So I don't miss opening credits, but I do like this new little um, thing that they do of having, you know, some real artistic thing put into the, uh, into the end credits. I do like that. Sam also writes, what was going on with Abomination and Wong? Does Wong break Abomination out of the raft to go to cage fight? Is it a type of therapy? I need answers. Yeah, listen, my assumption is this. Here's my guess. My guess is he disappeared after the snap. Or the snap left the raft practically unmanned and he was able to get out. Or he was one of the individuals who was snapped away. And then when he came back, he was someplace different. The, the raft wasn't exactly where it was before, or maybe the raft had been moved or that room had been changed or for whatever reason, when he came back, he was out. Then I just imagine him not knowing what to do. Wong finds him. So I don't know. Who knows? Not important to know right now, but it might become important in She-Hulk. And by the way, ever since we found out that Abomination was going to be in She-Hulk, our assumption in mine has been he might be an antagonist, the antagonist, but now... Is he reformed? Like, is he no longer a villain? Will he actually be there to help She-Hulk? I mean, I now I don't know. It opens up a lot of interesting questions. All right. Um, let's see. Samuels writes, I need a, a Wong karaoke cut. I could, that man, when Shang-Chi goes, yeah, we should probably go to sleep. Or, and then, you know, Aquafina's like, and then it shows him in the bar with Wong totally dry. I love that. I thought that was great. Uh, Sam also writes, 
let's see where we are. By the way, uh, the mind sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. Uh, Sam writes, I see a lot of similarities be- between Shang-Chi, Raya, and Raya. Both have evil darkness that consumes and was stopped years ago by a flying dragon in water. That's true. But that, as I had somebody tell me, is really not uh, unusual in old Chinese mythology. So that's a very common theme. The, the, the theme of the dragon and a lot of the old mythology stories are very strong. So it's not surprising that both of them would be present in uh, movies like that. So it's a good observation, though. All right. Uh, Sam also writes, okay, I'm done. Sam had a lot to put in there and say, thanks for writing that all that in there, Sam. All right. Cam K writes, I wanted to know way more about the mystical uh, stuff slash rings and how they work. In my opinion, Dr. Strange explained magic stuff better than this explained mythical stuff because the point of this, because the stories were different. In Dr. Strange, it is about him discovering this world of, of the mystic, right? It's about him discovering it. And if you're going to do that, then we as the audience have to discover it along with him. But that's not the story of Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi doesn't know where the rings come from. Shang-Chi doesn't know how they work or why they work. Shang-Chi doesn't know how his dad got them in the first place, right? So it would be pointless to try to explain something to the audience that even the characters don't know. That's part of the mystery of it. So yeah, in Doctor Strange, they explained it because the main character is just finding out about all this and learning it as he goes. So as he has it explained to him, we find out. But in Shang-Chi, it's different. That's This is not something the, the character knows yet and needs to be saved for a later story. So two completely different things. So I'm kind of glad they didn't go in that way, Cam, in my opinion, personally. Okay. Um, let's see here. Um, where do we go? There we are. Uh, Ketchup on Eggs writes, I didn't realize how much Trevor's slattery I needed, right? I wasn't sure I was going to enjoy him when he first popped up, but then I eventually really did catch him. Cam K writes, I thought it was a great movie, A-tier Marvel movie. Couldn't get enough of Shang's mother. I agree. She was so great in this and hope to see more of her one way or another. Um, You know me. I don't like the MC fake death universe. She died. She's dead. She's gone. Leave her that way. But she was wonderful. She was wonderful. I, like, ugh, yeah. Anyway, Daryl Best Wadley writes, how did Katie learn how to shoot a bow in one day? I, I'm not going to lie to you. I learned how to shoot a bow in one day. I'm not kidding. The first time I ever picked up a bow and arrow, like within an hour, I was hitting the target pretty regularly. Be- like, I'm going to guess a shooting a bow and arrow is like poker. Because poker is a game you can learn in 15 minutes. You can learn poker in 15 minutes. It would take a lifetime to master, but you can learn the game in 15 minutes. Learning how to shoot a bow is not the most difficult thing in the world. Like I said, a couple hours, you can be hitting the target fairly regularly. Does that make you a master bowsman? No. But remember, the target she hit was a giant building-sized flying evil dragon serpent, right? So it's not like she had to hit an exhaust port on the Death Star. She, she's not like she had this little tiny thing she had to hit. It was this probably two, two school buses wide neck on this thing. So it wasn't the most difficult thing in the world. It wasn't the hardest thing in the world. All right, next up, uh, Sam Fisher writes, uh, one or two, actually one more. I am never calling Wenwu the Mandarin. Well, even he says his name's not the Mandarin. Anyway, why? Because as he said in the movie, Mandarin is the name uh, 
AIM came up with in Iron Man uh, in Iron Man 3. When they co-opt the Ten Rings to scare the U.S., Wen Wu has never been called the Mandarin. Now I'm done. Yeah, he even said, why would they name me after an orange or something like that or after a chicken dish or something like that? Absolutely. His name is not Mandarin. Um, I mean, I wouldn't correct anybody who refers to him as Mandarin because we know who we're talking about, but you're right. His name is not, nor has it ever been, Mandarin. Okay, next up. Patrick Conway writes, I love this movie. Reminding me of the Jackie Chan animated series I loved when I was a kid. The action is incredible. Best superhero movie this year. Dude, I'm going to say it's the best superhero movie probably the last four years. However long ago uh, Logan was. This is better than Endgame. This is better than Black Panther. This is better than Infinity War. This is better than Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which you know how much I love Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. From the mythology, the storytelling, the character dynamics, the, the character's journey, I just it's a superior movie, man. I just love this movie. Obviously, it's all subjective opinion, but from my point of view, it's just a damn best best comic i i say it and i stand by it this is the best comic book movie since logan it's not a top three comic book movie of all time like it's not the dark knight it's not logan it's not the first avengers film but uh this is a special special movie that wasn't just about fan service and chief thing. Everything had narrative purpose. Everything had rich mythology. Everything was just so beautifully done. And that's just my take on it. Just my take on it. Um, and uh, somebody is like somebody saying, it's not better than Infinity War. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah, it is. Infinity War isn't even a top five. To me, Infinity War is not even a top five MCU movie. Now, don't get me wrong. I like Infinity War very, very much. I think it's great. I've watched it many times. But it's not, there's a lot of things done badly in the movie. Um, and I think Infinity War is better than Endgame. Yeah, Endgame has the big payoff and all the fan service and everything. Yes, absolutely. It's a great experience. And I love it. But yeah, it's to me, it's it's not even a tough thing for me. Shang-Chi is better than those movies. Again, it's all subjective. Everybody's going to have a different opinion. And your opinion is every bit as valid as mine. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's easily better than those two movies. And I love those movies, but that's just me. All right, next up. Um, let's see here. We're at Daryl Best Wadley who writes, uh, I love how the film kept Shang and Katie's friendship platonic. I loved that. Now, maybe they'll date in a sequence uh, in the sequel since her grandmother asked why they're, why, when they're getting married. Yeah, I absolutely, uh, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Um, I hate that whenever a guy and a girl know each other in a movie, it has to become a romantic relationship. These guys have been friends for 10 years and that's where it stayed. There was no romantic stuff there. Now look, if it turns into something in later movies, so be it. But I really, as a film fan, appreciated that it started off as best friends. It ends as best friends. I, I personally love that a lot. I love that they didn't feel the need to make it romantic. I, I liked it a lot. And again, I have no problem if now over the next couple of years, it starts to grow into something else. If they do that later, fine. But again, huge appreciation for me, from me, I should say, for the fact that they kept it platonic in this movie. All right, last one that we're going to do before we take a quick break, guys, because we're almost an hour into this already. Uh, Juno Faulkner writes, one of two. 
I absolutely love Shang-Chi. Here's, uh, he's now my favorite hero in the MCU. Uh, the resentment that Wen Wu and Shang-Chi had towards each other uh, in the final fight was palpable and really resonated with me. Can't wait to see who or what the rings are calling to. You know what I loved about it? Here's what I loved about it. Because both of them had both of them had bitterness that they were keeping inside about the other. And both of them were a little bit unfair. Because like Shang-Chi finally lets it out. Mom was gone and we needed you. And that's true. That's true. But you have to understand that the man just lost his wife. That's no excuse to alienate or, or abandon your kids. But I'm saying... When you understand the character of Wen Wu and how that woman changed everything about him, she was his world. And she didn't just die. She was murdered and taken from him. And he wasn't there to protect her and all that kind of stuff. And so I get Shang-Chi's anger. We were your kids and we needed you. And then from Wen Wu's point of view, it's like, you were there and did nothing. It's like, like this little... See, he probably never said that to him before, but it was this little bit of bitterness that was inside of him. And it was totally unfair, but still, you were there and you just watched her die. Like, and all this, it was like a family therapy session. They're just unleashing this years old anger and bitterness they had, you know, finger pointing and accusing each other all over their shared love of one woman, his wife, his mother. It was fucking beautiful. It was fucking beautiful. I absolutely love that. It, it was astonishing to me. Absolutely astonishing. I love that part of the film very, very much. Again, action without narrative purpose is just visual noise. Every bit of action in this movie was anchored in narrative purpose. And it just makes the action all the better. Anyway, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick five-minute break here. I'm going to rest my voice up a little bit. I'm going to go refill my drink. I'm going to let you guys have a chance to talk amongst yourselves, run, use the bathroom, do whatever it is you have to do. I am going to let you know, though, I am only leaving the uh, Super Chats open for another... I'm going to have, they're going to be turned off by the time we come back. So if you still want to send in a comment, question, uh theory, whatever, use the YouTube super chat feature and send that in, but you've only got a couple of minutes left to do it. And then I'm going to shut it off and we'll just address the rest of the questions that we have. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to run, take a break, hang tight with this guys, talk amongst yourselves, and we will be right back. All right, everybody. And we are back. Thank you so much for your patience and indulgence as I took a little bit of a break there. Uh, refilling my drink, giving my throat a bit of a rest. I'll have to do that every hour that we go. So let's jump right back into it now, shall we? Uh, okay. We start off here with Daryl Best Wadley, who writes, I was really hoping to see the kidnapping of Tony Stark in Iron Man from the Ten Rings point of view. Also, I teared up when his dad's soul was being taken. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad they didn't do anything because... This, Wen Wu had nothing to do with Iron Man 3. The Ten Rings had nothing to do with Iron Man 3. So I was perfectly happy. And just Wen Wu telling the story of it at the dinner table was enough for me of him kind of giving in his perspective on what was going on. So I thought that was, uh, I thought that was enough personally. All right, next up, Darth Impact writes, uh, going to see it next week. I just want to say, what's, what's John haven't, 
What's John? Haven't SC you in a while. Busy at work, stay safe and filthy is inevitable. I'm not quite sure what it is you're saying, Darth Impact, but I am staying safe. Thank you very much. And I hope you do too, my friend. All right, next up. Uh, John Redcorn writes, I love that Anderson Pack song that played during the mid credits. It's called Fire in the Sky. It's super chill. Yeah, it, it reminded me a lot too of the song that they played during the mid credits of Black Panther. All the stars, you know that one? It kind of had that same kind of feel to it. You know what I mean? I thought all the music in it was really good. All right, next up, uh, Jay Bling writes, the reference to Killian and mocking the Mandarin moniker was a nice jab at Iron Man 3 also. Hashtag justice for slattery. I completely agree. And, and again, I like that they addressed it. Like, you can't have the head of the Ten Rings in the movie and not get some sort of impression of what's going on. And it was good to see that they paid off that whole little mini short that they did of uh, Trevor in prison so many years ago. Like they made that short a long time ago and it was nice to see them follow up on that too. All right, next up, uh, Tony Hurd writes, something that I really appreciated was that Shang-Chi killed his mother's murderer. In these movies, the hero usually has a change of heart after doing it. He saw himself as his dad and he hated it. Here's the thing. I'm not going to lie to you. I knew right away. When Katie asked him, did you go through with it? And he said, no, I knew that he did only because I felt like if they were going to say he didn't go through with it, I felt like they would have shown him not going through with it. And I'm really glad that they did it that no, he's not a squeaky clean character. He wanted vengeance. He wanted to kill the guy who killed his mother. And he probably felt terrible about it afterwards and realized, you're right, probably realized I cannot become my father and this is not what my mother would want. So I loved every aspect of that. I really, really did. All right, uh, next up. Tony Hurd also writes, uh, also, I love that a good portion of this movie is spoken in Mandarin. I was so happy to see that. That, hey, if they would be speaking Chinese right now, they should be speaking Chinese. Not everything has to be in English. And I really like that they did that, Tony. So I appreciated that, too. All right. Tony writes, uh, what more can be said about Tony Leung? Like any great villain, his motivation wasn't just world domination. Yeah, he wasn't just there to take over the world. His motivation in this was it was noble in his mind. And it was. I don't think any of us would argue that him wanting to save his wife wasn't noble. It's just that he was so heartbroken and so destroyed by her loss that he couldn't see clearly that he was being deceived. And I thought that was a beautiful angle to the story. I really did. Um, okay. Next up, uh, dragon 10 writes, where are we at? Oh, yeah. Dragon 10 writes, uh, the trailers did this film dirty. I agree. My jaw dropped during the bus fight. Love the characters, score and soundtrack. God bless game day and bring on the filthy. Totally agree, man. I, I listen, I've said for a while, the, one of the big, one of the big reasons besides pandemic and some other things that I thought that Shang-Chi wasn't going to be like a massive block up bluster thing was the fact that the trailers weren't all that great. Like, I'd be talking about, this movie is amazing. And some people say to me, but John, it doesn't look all that good. All I can say is, I agree. It doesn't look all that good. All I can tell you as somebody who has seen it is that it is really good. You know what I'm saying? But you're right. The, the marketing didn't do this movie any favors. They weren't terrible. Like, the trailers weren't awful. It's just that they they did not 
do the movie justice in, in my opinion. And by the way, our friend Mike Askew Jr. in the live chat that sends in a super chat badge in the live chat, like a $20 super chat badge, just saying, thanks for being you. Thank you, man. I appreciate that very much. It's very kind of you, sir. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's get back to it here. Uh, Moon seven Willow writes number one, Shang-Chi is now in the top of my list for rewatchability. I could also see Jackie Chan's influence through the late Brad Allen. Beautiful to see. I, I agree. I agree. You could see a lot of that. You could see a lot of different movies influences, everything from a hero to a crouching tiger to a lot of different things. You could see a lot of those influences in the movie. And I absolutely love that about it. All right. Mikhail writes, great movie. First time back in a theater in 16 months. What a way to go back to the theaters, man. And I was reminded why I don't go often in my area. There's always people on their phones. I mean, that's unfortunate. I never have that happen to me where I live, but let's face it. There are 20 times more distractions trying to watch a movie at home, whether it's your phone ringing or you got to run, use the bathroom or somebody shows up at your house. Or there's, there's 20 times more distractions trying to watch a movie at your house. There's no, it's not even debatable. It's not even debatable. And that sucks. I would definitely, if you're in, a, like I said, I've never had this problem, but if you do go to a theater where that's a big problem, talk to the management of the theater and say, look, guys, you allow this to happen. So can you make an announcement or something at the beginning of your shows and let people know, hey, guys, you cannot take your phones out during this movie. If you need to take your phone out, please step outside. Like, speak to the management. Because if you're not going to talk to the management, then you can't complain about there being a problem. So I would really encourage you, talk to the management. Because if enough people do, they're going to do something about it. So that's just my kind of take on that. All right, next up. Uh, Moon Seven Willow writes too. I'm curious to find out if the Ten Rings, the arm devices, were made by the Eternals. I doubt it. Uh, thus being a reason why they're not in any databases or codex. Nah, I, again, I don't think so. I, I don't think they're going to make anything like that a prerequisite. I don't think they're going to cross over. So I personally don't think so. But then again, you never know. Eternals is coming out soon, so we will find out soon enough. All right. John Redcorn writes, wait during, uh, wait, during that bus fight scene where... Where the fuck was Ant-Man, Wasp, or hell, even Venom to help save the passengers? Just kidding. I, but listen, that is the one of the big problems I have with fandom, especially with shared cinematic universe movies. Everybody's like, why didn't Thor come and help? Because it's not called Thor. It's called Shang-Chi. Anyway, but you've probably heard me say that, John, which is why you're saying that. All right. Next up, uh, we've got Alex Von Gollum who writes, uh, hey, Gio, when Wen Wu said to the Archer's leader, be careful how you speak to me, I almost pissed my pants. What a thunderous spot on deliver on delivery. But it wasn't just be careful how you speak to me. The beauty of the line was, be careful how you speak to me, young man. That was hilarious. Because obviously, I've, he's talking to an old Chinese man. He goes, careful you speak to me, young man. It's like, oh, yeah. You're like 980 years older than this guy. So I thought that line was terrific. I thought it was absolutely terrific, Alex. Uh, by the way, Alex's Movie Corner sends in like a $20 Super Chat badge in the live chat saying, you are amazing. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that very much. Thanks for the support, dude. I love it. Um, all right. We move on now. Al Rensha writes, hey, John. Uh, why is it that weird looking horse? Why is that weird looking horse staring at me again? I thought it was funny. I, I was just taken out of the moment a little bit because again, I thought the CGI was a little iffy on, on the, the dragon horse thing, but the line was great. I thought the line was great. All right. Next up. Al Renshaw writes, Hey John, 
Do you think Shang-Chi's sister will be a villain moving forward? I don't. I don't think she'll be a villain. That post credit scene got me wondering, nah, I think she's definitely going to use the Ten Rings for her own purposes. But do I think she's a villain? I don't think she's a villain. This is this is the same girl who said to who said to her brother, let me go. She was willing to sacrifice herself for the greater good. Let's not forget that. She was willing to sacrifice herself for the greater good. She saved Katie's life when she doesn't even know Katie. Remember when during the building fight, Katie fell and all of a sudden out of nowhere uh, comes. I, by the way, I never know. I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name right. Z, uh, Zai Ling. It's X-I-A-L-I-N-G. Is it Zai Ling or Z Ling? I'm, I'm not sure. But however, whatever. Um, so. She comes out of nowhere, saves her life. She's willing to sacrifice her own life in the, in the final battle. So I don't think she's going to be a villain, but she is going to use the Ten Rings for her own purposes. What those purposes are going to be, I'm not sure, but I am very, very much looking forward to, um, uh, to finding out. Okay, let's see. Next up. Uh, that was Al Renshaw. Next one is Edward Wells who writes, a black widow Helen was fighting an, ex- an extremist power fighter in one of the smaller rooms in the fight club. I never noticed that. Was one of the girls in, in the in the separate side fights at the club one of the black widows? I I, I didn't notice that. Uh, A Train A is saying yes. So is Matthew Barr. They're saying yes. Storm Fan- Fanatic 15 is saying yes. I didn't, I wasn't even honestly paying that much attention. Oh, that's why he goes, nice one, Helen. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Okay, I'm going to specifically keep an eye open for that when I go back to watch the movie again tomorrow. Thanks for throwing that in. Thank you to everybody in the live chat for verifying that. I never even noticed that. I'm going to keep my eye open the next time. All right, next up, uh, see doing work rights. Banner saying welcome to the circus was cringe. Oh, no, that was great. Uh, and lame as hell cheapens the gravitas of the MCU. Now, nah, you're completely wrong about that. I mean, if that's your opinion, all, hey, it's all subjective. If that's your opinion, that's your opinion. I, I respect that. But I, I personally don't feel like you could be any more wrong. To me, it felt more real. <laughs> It's like, welcome to the circus. Like, this is our life. I mean, this is craziness. We're supposed to be. And that's that's true, by the way, to Bruce's character. Bruce isn't, listen, young man, you've now entered a bigger world, world of where powers and responsibilities come into play, where self-sacrifice and the nobility of the battle have to be at the forefront of your mind of all time. That's not how Bruce speaks. That's not how Bruce talks. Bruce is like, welcome to the circus, guys. That's exactly how that character talks. That's exactly what he should have said. So I respect your opinion, C. Doing Work. That's your opinion. I just I just got to say, um, I just I don't think there's anything correct about what you said in my own opinion. That's just all I'm saying. We have a disagreement, my film-loving brother. All right, Koa1708 writes, uh, one of the rare Marvel movies where I can say I like the villain. I know it doesn't happen often. Uh Love was his entire motivation. I hope they bring him back somehow. I mean, I don't hope they bring him back just because, you know, the Marvel fake death universe. I'm, I really prefer them not bringing even more characters back from the dead. That being said, you're right. The whole motivation was love. He was misguided. He was broken. He was easily deceived. But at the core of it, his motivation was still love. And I love that about it. It made him a multidimensional villain. And I absolutely love that. All right. Uh, next up, Casey Mack writes, uh, 
John, I was actually surprised by Ben Kingsley's cameo uh, was as long as it was. I thought it was just going to be a short little thing, but he was in longer. Again, I, I challenge that. I think if you go in and actually watch and then time every second that he's actually on screen, I think you'd be surprised how little of the film he's actually in. He's very prominent in a couple of scenes. I think he's very prominent in the dungeon and in the car. But after being in the dungeon and being in the car, that's pretty much it. Then he's got like a a 20 second appearance where he's faking death. He's got like a 10 second appearance saying, I'm not a threat. And then a quick shot of him uh, standing on the shore of the lake as they were putting out the, uh, the funeral pyres. Right. So he's really not in it that much. It is actually a pretty small role. Anyway, that, again, maybe I'll go in and watch it when I watch it tomorrow. Maybe I'll actually time it and see how much screen time he actually has. But I think you'd be surprised to find out it was really, really very small. Anyway. All right. Uh, next up. Was that Casey? Yes, it was. Uh, next up. We have uh, Noam writes. One of two. Hi, John. I'm going to see the movie for the third time this week. What a fantastic movie. So good to see the movie is doing great at the box office. Wong um, Wong is great. Where do you think Chan Sang-Chi will show up again? Well, I don't think we're going to see him show up in anything upcoming immediately. Like, I don't think we're going to see him in She-Hulk. I don't think we're going to see him um, in, you know, the Marvels. I don't think we're going to see him in uh, Eternals. So, I'm not really sure when we're going to see him again. I do think we'll see him pop up prior to Shang-Chi 2, whenever that happens, but I don't think it's going to be any time immediately soon. But uh, fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. All right. Next up, uh, Ganem McIntyre writes, Thoroughly enjoyed this movie, but I did prefer the first half to the second. Tony Leung was the best MCU villain we've had uh, besides Thanos, and the fight scenes were outstanding. I actually think I prefer the second half of the film a little bit more. Because in the second half of the film is where we get more into the mythology and more into the narrative. Like, the first half of the film to me is set up, and it's great. It's fantastic setup. But for me, it's once we get, like, once Wen Wu gets his kids back, once he captures his kids, and that's when we start getting into the meat of the story. And then they go to Tao Lo before their father gets there, and they learn the history of the people of Tao Lo. The fact that they had cities. The fact that they have been there for thousands of years, protecting not only their realm, but protecting our realm as well the background of the great darkness or whatever the things, the mega soul sucker, whatever its name was. I keep forgetting what its name was. Um, and then that incredible third act battle sequence. I, I, I get the first half of the movie is great. Don't get me wrong. I think I personally prefer the second half of the movie, but that's, that's just me. Everybody will have a different opinion about that. Um, okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Jeremy Sneed writes, uh, hi, John, and tips in like uh, $20. Thank you, Jeremy, and I appreciate that very much, man. Uh, and he writes in, where do we go? Oh, by the way, before we get to that, our friend Mr. 47 sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Mr. 47. Appreciate that, man. Uh, hey, John, uh, Banner's appearance in the post credit scene had me thinking. Possible Banner looks like that because he's already given his cousin a blood transfusion with the upcoming She-Hulk show. I know it's not the comics. Nah. What? Because... How would taking blood out of himself change him? 
Like if he got a blood transfusion from his cousin, that maybe does something to him. But all, I mean, it's no different than if he got a cut and bled a little. So no, I don't think any transfusion is what caused this. I don't think that they're, they're going to have to explain, or maybe they just won't explain it at all. But Bruce is back to being both regular human Bruce and Hulk form. So, which I'm glad because listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I never liked professor Hulk. Like, don't get me wrong. Professor Hulk had a couple of, of really funny lines. It's like time travel, right? I mean, he's kind of funny lines, but I, that's not the Hulk. I like, I like Hulk. I like Bruce and I like Hulk. I'm not a big fan of professor Hulk. So I'm actually really glad. So they don't even have to explain it as far as I'm concerned. But no, donating blood to somebody was not going to change his molecular structure. So I don't think that'll be it. At least I don't think so, Jeremy. All right. Uh, Next up, Isaiah Campbell writes, all I can say about this film is it's my second favorite film of the year behind Jewish and the Black Messiah. Judas and the Black Messiah, the movie's great. My only negative is that Marvel hasn't announced a sequel yet. Road to Eternals starts now. And that really is true, right? With, with Shang-Chi now being done, it's all about counting down to Eternals now. Uh, I mean, I don't, don't get me wrong, taking nothing away from Spider-Man No Way Home, I know what I'm getting in Spider-Man. I know it's great. I know what I'm getting in Spider-Man. We've already had two Spider-Man movies and it's great. But the real countdown now is for Eternals. Not only because it's a brand new story, but also we have the reigning, defending, undisputed best director in the world right now um, in Chloe Zhao, the reigning you know, uh, director of the year. Uh, she won best director at the Directors Guild of America. She won best director of the year at the Academy Awards. You know, So that, to me, makes Eternals the film that we are now counting down till. I know Spider-Man No Way Home is going to be great. I know it's going to be great. We've already had two of those movies directed by John Watt. He's done a terrific job. I know what we're getting in that movie. Eternals is the thing that I'm really excited about. So, uh, yeah, we will see. We will see. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, Fang Blaze writes, what do you think is the, the Beacon was calling out to in the post credit scene? I, again, I have no idea. That is going to be the lingering question until Shang-Chi returns. That's going to be the lingering question. Is it calling out to an alien race? Is it calling out to the celestials? Is it calling out to something that is sleeping in the world? Is it calling out across time to something in another time or another era? Is it calling out to other rings? Is this a crossover with Lord of the Rings? Are these rings direct descendants of Sauron's rings of power? That's the question. No, I mean, I don't know, but that is going to be the question that a lot of us uh, have. Are, Are they going to call it to Galactus? Like I mentioned earlier in the show. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be that. They didn't give us many hints, though. They did not give us many hints. All right. Life Entertainment writes, uh, do you think Katie will get some powers now? No. At least I certainly hope she doesn't. I hate it when shows, either TV shows or movies go, well, we've got this supporting character who becomes really popular. Okay. Well, give them superpowers then. I don't personally like that. Uh, so, no. I don't think they're going to do that, and I don't think she they should. Her as a fateful rock solid anchoring influence friend to Shang-Chi to me is enough for that character. That's enough. That's amazing. 
Katie is an amazing character. You don't have to give her superpowers. So I certainly hope they don't give her superpowers. All right. Fang Blaze writes, um, what did you think of the final battle? I loved it. Personally, it's one of my favorites. The score is so good. Action is amazing. And it's super emotional. I'll tell you what, I'm not going to lie to you in the final battle as the, the mega soul sucker is kind of on its back in the water. And Shang has already fired off the 10 rings at it. And he's like now 2,000 feet in the air. And you see the mega soul sucker on the ground. You see Shang-Chi starting to fall down towards it. And he's falling like, like a comet out of space, hurling towards him. And he's doing his movements. And then he goes, and the rings blow. I'm not going to lie to you. I fucking get tears in my eyes. I get tears. I'm lo- I look at it, and it's so beautiful and gorgeous as he's falling down out of the atmosphere and doing his movements and the rings start to twirl on the mega soul sucker. I literally, it's so beautiful to me. I'm not lying. I get tears in my eyes. I get tears in my eyes. It's so fucking awesome. It's so great. So yes, the combination of martial arts fighting with the combination of the one-on-one fights going on between Shang-Chi and his father, between the big battle scenes, between the, the, the forces of Tao Lo versus the 10 rings fighting. And then the soul suckers come out and then they start working together. By the way, one of the biggest laughs in the audience is always, we should work together. I mean, that that's everybody starts laughing at that point. And then the, and then mixing all of that with the mythology, with this amazing mythology of the demonic thing with the protector dragon shooting up out of the water and fuck me. It's so fucking good. It is so fucking good. I'm hurting my hand a lot by shit. My thumb is still really in a lot of pain and I'm sitting here smashing my hand on the table. Anyway, it is so damn good. It's, it's so good. Like my, my, my heart, I'm watching that entire third act. My heart is glowing. Tears are in my eyes. I'm smiling ear to ear. I'm like jumping up and down. I feel like a fucking five-year-old watching it, but I don't care. I don't care. It's incredible. I absolutely love that final scene, man. I love everything about it. Love everything about it. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, next, sorry. Got a little bit worked up there. Next up. Uh, Ifran Dagman writes, uh, and sends in like a $25 super chat. Thank you for that, man. I appreciate that. Writes, hey, John, love the show. Thank you so much. Me and my friends love Shang-Chi, though I had to use some Muay Thai tricks to get them to agree on it. Still, beautiful movie. I, I completely agree. It's just, again, the trailers does do not make this movie look all that great. The trailers simply don't make the movie look all that great. They just don't. At least to me, it didn't. So part of it was I was so stunned by what I saw. Anyway, I'm glad you enjoyed it, uh, uh, Ifran. I'm glad you enjoyed it. All right. Red Sun writes, when watching the end credits scene of the Ten Rings, they specifically said the Ten Rings will return. Do you think we will get a Ten Rings Disney Plus series? Uh, you could. You could. I, I would like to think that they'll just appear as a presence in another movie. Um, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be far fetched to think that maybe they, they do one focused on her on, on, on Shang's sister and the 10 rings. They could, they totally could. I, I, again, I would prefer it to be, they play a role and have a presence in another movie, but it very well could be a Disney plus series. We'll have to see. All right. Good. Uh, good question there. Red son. All right. Christina B writes, 
Um, I need more Avengers karaoke in my life. What do you think Wong's favorite soju is? And what do you think uh, his song, his go-to song is? What's your, well, my, when I karaoke, um, I have my, my number one go-to song in karaoke is actually the song from, um, breakfast club. Uh, don't you forget about me. Don't you forget about me. Yeah, that's, that's my, honestly, that's my go-to karaoke song. It is there. You now, you know, now, you know, that is my go-to karaoke song. Uh, what is Wong's? I don't know. It's going to be hard to imagine him singing anything other than hotel California. It's going to be very, very difficult. Um, as, uh, as to seeing, seeing him sing anything other than hotel California. I mean, they just when he's he's all drunk, such a lovely place. I mean, that's to me, that's the image of the movie. Absolutely loved it. Uh, I thought I thought that was great. So I will always see, um, I will always see that image of him. I will always, if you ever mention Wong singing karaoke, I will always have Hotel California in my head. All right, uh, let's see here. Oh, actually, Sammy T in the live chat just brings up a very good point. If you know the first Doctor Strange movie. Wong probably has a Beyonce song as his uh, go-to. That's that's probably a good, a pretty good point, man. That's a good point. All right, Quinn Fowley writes one of four. As someone who enjoyed the hell out of Shang Chi, I have one critique. Uh, in my opinion, Trevor Slattery had no business being uh, in this beyond reminding people Iron Man 3 happened and to help Disney sell chicken pig stuffies. In fact, Wen Wu's dinner monologue accomplished the former in spades. What might have worked better could have been Shang-Chi, Katie, and Xiling uh, being jailed with the last of Tao Lo's original army from a previous attempt by Wen Wu to infiltrate uh, Tao Lo and save his wife from captivity. Well, uh, there's that doesn't make any sense, Quinn. We'll talk about that and why. Obvious, yes, but the way I see it, it likely could have been just as functional. First of all, he that wouldn't make any sense because he's never been to Tao Lo. He was never able to get into Taolo in an original attempt to get his wife back. So that completely destroys the story. So that's not plausible or, or functioning. The use of Trevor makes perfect narrative sense. Number one, you need a story mechanism that gets uh, Shang-Li and his group to Tao Lo before his father, right? So you need a story mechanism that fulfills that, okay? So now you have this story need. There's a story need. A need that something, a mechanism to get Shang to Tao Lo before his father. You also have this dangling thing in the MCU, which is canon, that Shang-Chi's dad did break Trevor out of prison, specifically to punish him. And so it makes sense that Trevor would be there as a prisoner of Wenwu. So now you have a narrative need for a mechanism and you have this character that's already part of the narrative and was then even set up in a further short film by the MCU and say, well, then perfect. This narrative mechanism that we need can be played by this guy who is already a part of this story. It narratively makes sense. It narratively makes sense. And to me, again, it's all going to be subjective. How well Trevor worked in the movie is going to be subjective to everybody. But again, for me, I thought they used him almost perfectly. They didn't overuse him. He wasn't in a lot. 
And like, I, again, I can't speak for the audiences you saw the movie with. All I can do is speak to the audiences that I saw the movie with. And the audiences I saw the movie with were laughing their asses off at just about everything Trevor said. So it really did work for a lot of people. It worked for a lot of people. So, and it also created a nice little connection to a previous MCU film. So, yeah, so while I totally respect, Quinn, your opinion, that's how you felt about it, and I respect that. I I just got to say, since you're asking me, I completely disagree. I thought it was an already core part of the narrative with a story mechanism that was needed, the two pieces fit together, and the audiences seemed to really like it for the most part. So I got to disagree, although, you know, that doesn't mean you're wrong. I'm just saying I, I disagree with you on that. So thanks for sharing your opinion on it, man. I appreciate that. All right. Nate uh, Piacentino writes, on a dark desert highway, on a dark desert highway, cool wind in my hair. That, when she started singing that to the soldier, I just about died. All right. Evelyn Wakara writes, I really love this movie. I fear the dragon scene was going to be too much, but it was a great third act. Wong is the MVP and karaoke post-credit was amazing. Agree with all of it. The dragon was great. And the music, by the way, the music that would play with the dragon, the little stringed instrument, ding, 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 And I'm like, this music is awesome. And that first scene, we see it in the trailer of still that first scene when he comes face to face with uh, Shang-Chi in the water. And did you notice too, that as he's in the water, all those air bubbles are coming up and they start funneling into his nose. Did you notice that? So that he goes, <gasps> Like he's breathing underwater because the dragon is sending air into his lungs. I thought that was pretty good. I I actually really liked it, Evelyn. Me too. All right, next up. Evelyn also writes, "Uh, this was my and my brother's first time back to the theater since the rise of Skywalker. And it was a great movie to be back. Excited to see more of Simu in the MCU. Yeah. Good Canadian kid, Simu Lu. Still haven't got my Kim's Convenience shirt signed. So F that guy. Uh, but good Canadian kid, Simulu did, uh, did Canada proud, did Canada proud, by the way, for those of you who have watched Kim's convenience, for those of you who watched Kim's convenience, which if you haven't watched Kim's convenience, what the hell are you doing with your life? Watch Kim's convenience. It's so good. But for those of you who have seen Kim's convenience, that opening joke when Katie and Sean are having are in that bar with their two friends, and the guy said to me, "What's up, Gangnam Style?" And I said, "Bro, I'm not Korean. Did you guys get the joke? Did you guys get the joke? Because in Kim's convenience, he's Korean. He plays a Korean character. His family has come over from Korea. And so them doing that joke is like, dude, I'm not Korean. To me, to me, that was a special inside joke for those who know Simu Liu from one of the great sitcoms of the past decade, um, Kim's Convenience. So that I, I saw it as an inside joke, personally. That's how I saw it. All right, uh, next up. Uh, Onrag P writes, 
As an Indian American, this movie spoke to me culturally more than any other MCU film. So I became so emotional at times, bolstered by how great the uh, movie was. Also, I couldn't help get emotional that hopefully through the success of this, hopefully one day we could have an actor of Indian descent. Listen, uh, on Ragos writes, lead the MCU film Dev Patel. Yeah, uh, uh, but yeah, loved it. Listen, I think when you look at the success the MCU is now having with diversifying things up, remember this, the MCU went 20 plus movies in a row with a white male lead uh, character. 20 films in a row with white male leads. 20. If they had done 20 films in a row with black male leads, you know you know the crowd out there. They would have been crying and all that kind of stuff if they had dared done 20 black lead films in a row. But they did 20 white film leads in a row. And ever since deciding, hey, we should probably make the MCU look a little bit more like real life and let's diversify it up a little bit, they have had incredible success. Incredible success. They put out Captain Marvel. Not even the best MCU movie. I mean, I like Captain Marvel. Don't get me wrong. I think Brie Larson is great. I liked Captain Marvel. I think it's a good movie. But it is, it's, in the, it's in the lower half to me of MCU movies. Still good. I liked it. But it's in the lower half of MCU movies to me. That movie made a billion dollars at the box office. Made a billion dollars at the box office. Then they gave us our first black male lead MCU movie with Black Panther. That movie made over a billion dollars at the box office and became the first comic book film in history to be nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. It didn't win. It didn't deserve to win, but it still has that honor and was an incredible success. And it's great. Now they do their first Asian lead actor. Now, granted, we're living in a pandemic and a lot of other problems too, but so it's not going to be a billion-dollar film or anything, but look at the success it's having, especially given the circumstances. So all that being said, Onrog, all that being said is, don't think for a second that Kevin Feige isn't very aware of the popularity of Bollywood. Don't, And that's part of the reason why we're getting, like, like right now we're getting Ms. Marvel, coming don't be surprised if we see more in the future we're always going to have our white male lead movies absolutely we're still we're still going to have those and we're going to have lots of them but i think you're going to see the mcu also make you know a, a concerted effort not to exclude other people groups anymore because they're having great success with it so i wouldn't be surprised at all if we see more of that in the future so we will see all right, uh, next up, Ismail Y writes, hey, where would you rank Shang-Chi in the MCU rankings? I don't do rankings. Uh, all I will say is this. I've said it before. I, I will say this. Just speaking generally, I'd have to think about it, but there is a very good chance three to six months from now, after I've had a long time to sit on it, Um that it may be a t- it might very well be a top 5. I I don't think it's a top 3. 
Like there's there are too many movies that I would put ahead of it. Like the original Avengers, I still think is the best comic book movie ever made. Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Civil War. But it it could slip into the number four or the number five spot. It could slip into the number four or the number five spot. I, again, I need more time to actually think about that. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. All right, next up. Raymond Reddington writes, enjoyed Shang-Chi, John. Action scenes are fantastic, especially the skyscraper scene. That scene was great. Uh, cast was also great, especially Tony Leung and Simu Liu. Uh, but to me, some of the second half of the film was a bit boring and some of the comedy in it didn't land for me. Apart from that, I loved it. Seven out of 10. Hey, listen, that's great. Like I said, I don't expect everybody's going to like Shang-Chi as much as I do. I just knew everybody's going to like it, or at least a lot of people would at least like it. Now, for me, the second half of the film is better than the first half. So that's just my opinion. I really dig the story and the mythology they really get into as they get into the meat of the narrative is the second half of the film. Uh, But, and the humor worked very well for me. The humor worked very well for me, but that's just me. But it's, it's all subjective, right? I'm just glad you went to it and you enjoyed it. That's this thing. I want everybody to like the movies they see. And if you at least liked it and had a good time, that's a win, man. That's absolutely a win. Uh, Okay, let's um, give me one second here as this seems to have frozen on me for a second. Um, This is frozen on me for a second. Give me a moment. Give me a moment. Hold on a second. Um... Uh, okay. One second. Try it again. Nope. Try it again. Last thing I'll try. Try it again. There we go. Okay. Next up. Uh, Raymond Reddington writes, what uh, do you think? Uh, what do you also think the first post credit scene will mean in the future of the MCU? Again, I, I don't really know. That is a very big, important question that people are asking. It makes sense that people are asking it. Um, uh, yeah, again, it makes sense that people are asking it, but I, I simply don't know. I mean, it's clear that it's going to have implications, I believe beyond just Shang-Chi. How big? Don't know. I mean, it all depends on what it is that you end up calling out to. Are they calling out to, you know, the guy who originally created the rings, that's still on earth somewhere. Well, then, then it's just a Shang-Chi thing. Are they calling out to Galactus? Letting Galactus know, hey, there's a world here ready to be devoured. I mean, then that's a much bigger thing. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. It is a big question, though. Big, big question. All right. Next up. Raymond Verrata writes, um, post credit scene makes you wonder who's left in the Avengers. So Abomination is in the MCU. Since you are also an Incredible Hulk, are you in the MCU? I, I can neither confirm nor deny that my character from the Incredible Hulk um, is going to be the next ultimate big bad guy. I'm not saying I am. I'm just saying I can neither confirm nor deny that my character in Incredible Hulk is the next big bad guy in the MCU. I got to remain a little bit mysterious about that. Got to stay a bit mysterious about that, Raymond. All right, next up, uh, we've got Logan uh, Tamlin, who writes, when Wanda hears her kids scream for help in the post credit scene of WandaVision, I think that's the portal calling for her like it did to Shang-Chi's dad. Um, no, 
No, I don't think so. That, I, I mean, I, I could totally see why you would say that. Because if the mega soul sucker, maybe he senses that the Scarlet Witch could break the barrier. So it makes her think that her kids are behind the barrier. But there's nothing narratively to connect that. You know what I mean? So, I mean, hey, look, if they came out next week and and showed, said there's a WandaVision 2 and Wanda is now searching for this hidden place called Tao Lo, well, then ob- obviously then that was it. But I really don't think that's what they're doing. I don't think that's what they're doing. Could be wrong, but I don't think that's what they're doing. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, where are we at here? David Lucelle writes, Bonjour. Uh, bonjour, David. Comment tu parles-tu? Uh, in my opinion, movie was okay. I like the action aesthetics, but found the film unfunny, predictable, exposition heavy, and with useless side characters. Hey, man, all film is subjective. I disagree with almost everything you said. Uh, I thought the movie was very funny. I didn't find it predictable. Uh, the exposition was beautiful. I thought the exposition was fantastic. And the side characters all worked and all had narrative purpose. Everything from the uh, face-painted martial arts master to razor fist to the ant they all had a significant narrative purpose so i respect your opinion it's all subjective your opinion is every bit as valid as mine i just gotta say i disagree with just about everything you said but that's just me all right justin d writes uh one of three while i overall like the film a few nitpicks uh number one the second act did drag again i disagree i think the second act it, that's where you get into the meat of the story. That's I liked it even more. That's just me. Could have cut 10 minutes. I don't think so. In the climax, I noticed when they showed Katie, uh, she's just reacting a lot despite the danger all around her. I never felt that she was in any danger. I wanted to feel tension for that character. I didn't think it was necessary. But anyway, 3-3. Uh, three, three. Where did Katie shoot that arrow from? It's a lot further away than when uh, she was practicing. Liked it, but didn't love it like you did. Thanks. Again, and that's, that's the subjectivity of film, man. You don't need to like it as much as I do, or you may like it more than I do. But again, the thing with Katie, the bow and arrow thing, yes, it was a lot further away than the target she was shooting at, but the neck of that creature was probably the length of a city bus. Again, it's not like she was trying to hit a small exhaust port on the death star or a, or a tiny coin off of somebody's head. It was this bus size length neck of this monster. <laughs> So that to me, again, I think I could have hit it. I, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to boast. I, I think I could have hit that. I think I could have hit that target on my first day ever using a bow and arrow. If I had had six, seven, eight hours with a real expert at bow and arrow sh- teaching me how to shoot something, I think I probably could get lucky and hit a target even kind of far away that was the size of a city bus. So I really don't think it was that much of a stretch. I really don't. But, you know, whatever. That's just me. All right, next up. Uh, and, and the fact that you didn't like it, hey, that's totally cool. I'm sure there are many movies you like more than me and vice versa. That's the beauty of the subjectivity of film, my friend. All right, next up. Uh, A-Rod 2006 writes, the She-Hulk Disney Plus series is much bigger than we imagined with Blonsky secretly working with Wong and Banner dealing with this cosmic beacon. I don't think we're going to see anything, anything that has anything to do with Shang-Chi in the She-Hulk series. I really don't. I mean, we're going to see Blonsky. We're going to see Abomination, but I don't think there's going to be references to Shang-Chi or anything, nor do I think Banner working on the mystery of the rings is going to have anything to do with the show. I, I really don't. I'll be surprised if they do. I think it's going to be totally disconnected. So I do not think this series is going to be bigger than we imagined. But 
is definitely a little different because I had kind of assumed when we heard that Abomination was going to be in She-Hulk that he was going to be the villain or at least a villain. But is he villainous anymore? Has he been reformed? Has he changed his ways? I don't know. Maybe. Like, we'll see. We'll see, but I don't know that's going to be much bigger than we anticipate, just because of, just because, but maybe different, but maybe different. All right. Uh, let's see. Kristen B writes, or uh, Christina B writes. And by the way, Dragon 10 sends in a super chat badge and live chat. Thank you, Dragon 10. Uh, Christina B writes, one of two. I hope for next movie they show Shang-Chi's dark side or complicated side. It looked like he was really going to kill Death Dealer at the club. Oh, he was totally going to kill him. I worry that the new MCU heroes are too perfect. Part of what made Iron Man, Cap, and Thor fascinating was their flaws. I I personally thought we saw a lot of flaws in Sean. I think we saw a great deal of development. Like, we see a guy who has gone from literally running from every one of his problems... Not to mention, he actually did go out and assassinate somebody. Like, killing all the soldiers and all the guys on the side of the building, that's one thing. That's in combat. But he went out to assassinate somebody out of vengeance. And he killed a guy. And then he ran from his problems. And then he's been, like, being a valet guy, which nothing wrong with that. But when you're a guy like Shang-Chi, that is just running and hiding. And then we found out how he abandoned his sister I mean, look, I, whatever you want to say about the character of Shang-Chi, perfect isn't one of the words that you can ascribe to him. I mean, he, we find out that he did a lot of crappy things. And it's been in a journey for him to embrace and accept that that is stuff he did and he has to accept it. And he has to understand that's a part of what he is. To really come into his power as his mother did, knowing himself. So I actually thought that was a definite strength to it. At least uh, that was me. All right. Thanks for that, Christina. All right. Next up. Cam K writes, quick question. When Wu was insulted by the name Mandarin, but the one uh, short uh, Trevor was told that he stole the name and when Wu wants it back. Why? Uh, Again, remember the short. I know a lot of people just discovered the short. Now the short came out years and years and years and years ago. That short came out ages ago before this movie was ever written, right? So you you got to give it a little bit of flexibility there. You have to give it some flexibility. I understand you may have just seen it for the first time, but don't be fooled into thinking this short was just made for Shang-Chi. This short was made shortly after Iron Man 3 came out, ages ago. It's called All Hail the King. So... Yes. So there's, let's think of it in this term as somebody, I just saw somebody at cam in the live chat says, think of it this way. The name he was appropriating was the 10 rings. Don't think of it as Mandarin. Think of it as the 10 rings. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, let's see. Cam K writes with the rings, the shield and the hammer. I think at this point we can all agree that weapons that return to the user are freaking awesome. Indeed they are. I'd be curious to know what wins in a straight up fight, Mjolnir or the 10 rings. I'm going to guess Mjolnir. I'm going to guess Mjolnir, but I don't know, man. Those 10 rings are pretty badass, dude. I I want to see what else they can do. All right, next up. uh, Cardo, the bassist, writes, over under 15% that the 10 rings will return in a Disney Plus adaptation of Secret Wars as some form of battle world. Uh, Xi Ling is a badass. She certainly is. Man, I love her in this movie. She is great. 
her use of the rope with the blade on the end, especially once she got the dragon scale one was pretty freaking awesome. Uh, and the fact that she's running the, t- the way she's sitting in the throne, like her father would sit on it. And she's got razor fist and her other right hand guy standing to the side of her. That was pretty iconic imagery. I'm going to go under 15% that that's where the 10 rings return. I'm going to go. I, I think it's, it's going to be something separate. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to go under 15% on that. All right. Next up. Uh, Marley Mara writes, I loved when Wen Wu took Shang-Chi to the club where the men who murdered his wife were at, like he was taking him shopping, then calmly without a word proceeded to murder everybody. I will tell you what, I'm going to let you in on a little something for, uh, from me about me. I love, love scenes in movies where somebody unleashes righteous vengeance. There's something about, like, if there's a movie where a man's daughter was killed and that man finds the people that did it and he does horribly unholy things to those people, I get a huge, I love that. Like, I just go, yeah, you fuck those guys up. Like, there's something about that that I just adore. It's part of the reason why I like the last Rambo movie, Last Blood. Because when they all come from, it's like, when you understand, like, he's out, John J. Rambo is just strictly out for righteous retribution, right? And so in Shang-Chi, in Shang-Chi, when those dudes killed Wen Wu's wife and you think you're going to live? Are you effing crazy? You think you can go and murder Wen Wu's wife and you think you now just get to go home and have dinner and play baseball tomorrow? Are you insane? Are you insane? So, when that scene happens, Wen Wu puts on his badass suit, by the way. How about that suit he was wearing? Anyway, he puts on that soup, suit, and he's walking into that dingy brothel club with his son. And he just walks in and straight up starts to murder everybody. I'm like, that's what you get. Don't get me wrong. I'm not for murder, but it's that's what you get. You freaking go in and murder Wen Wu's wife. What the hell do you think is going to happen to you? What do you think is going to happen to you? Here's a great idea. Go up to Lois Lane in front of Superman and smack her in the face. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's see what happens. I don't care how much of a Boy Scout Clark is. Let's see what happens. Go smack Lois Lane in the mouth right in front of Superman. Let's see what happens. Let's see. I'm telling you what, man, as he walked in there and just started wrecking shop, like Anne said, I look like a kid in a toy store. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you kill them, Wen Wu. You kill them all. Like I was like totally into it. That was just me. I love scenes of righteous retribution. I don't know why. Maybe that says something bad about me, but I, I really, really did like that a lot. I thought that was awesome. Uh, okay, uh, we continue on now. Uh, next up, Soul Brother Mac writes, Uh, I kept thinking the big secret wasn't just that Shang-Chi killed the boss responsible for his mother's death, but that the boss was Katie's grandfather. You know, I've heard somebody say that. I I think that's way too much of a stretch. That shrinks the world way too much. It just shrinks the world way too much. 
Like I've heard, I've seen people on Twitter wondering, oh, I bet you Katie's dead grandfather was the head of the Iron Gang. And that's the guy that, uh, that uh, Sean killed. And it's like, uh, that's making the world way too small. That makes the world way too tiny and small. Remember too, um, I think she came over since Katie's mom is American. So she was born here. That means her grandparents, remember she's talking to Katie. Your grandfather didn't come here so you could park cars. So Katie's grandmother and grandfather came over to America presumably before um, Katie's mom was even born. So this would have been before Shang-Chi was even born. So I really don't think it's connected. I, I get why people think every single thread in the MCU is connected to something else, but I really don't think it's connected. I really don't. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Now they could go that way later on, but right now I don't think it makes a lot of sense. That's just me. All right. Thanks for that. So, and you're not the only one I've, I've, I've heard propose that. I just, I just don't see them, them doing that. All right. Uh, let's see. Amanda Burns writes, are we at Amanda? We are at Amanda. Amanda Burns writes, I like they chose Aquafina for this love uh, for his love interest. That's the thing. He wasn't a love interest at all. She has her own unique look. Ordinary people can relate to her. She's like me. I listen. Aquafina was the first person they cast in this movie. They cast her before they casted Shang-Chi. And so when they were coming down to their final uh, round of trying to decide who's going to play the role, they would actually have to come in and screen test with Aquafina because they picked her first before anybody else. So whoever they got to play Shang-Chi was going to have to be able to have a really good chemistry and play well off of Aquafina and vice versa. So she was very, very important to the movie. Very important. And I love that she wasn't a love interest. I love that she they were just best friends. And I really like it. Might turn into something more later, but I like that uh, that's what it was for now. All right. Next up, Cardo the Bassist writes, uh, when are you guys going to get married? LOL. My partner and I find that so amusing because we were asked that all the time before we got together. I mean, every single, especially, you know, my wife and uh, like we were there with other friends of mine who are of Asian descent, all the Asians in the audience, when that was asked, they all laugh because like, that's the first thing any grandparent ever asked you. Like it's true in Italian culture too, but they were like, yeah, in Asian culture, every grandparent's going to ask you that. If they see you with somebody of the opposite sex, they are just naturally going to ask you that question. So they found that apparently uh, completely, completely hilarious. All right, next up, Soul Brother Mac writes, a silly fun question to ask, but who would win in a fight? Shang-Chi before gaining the 10 rings or Jin Jones or, or uh, Jin Jones's Iron Fist? Uh, that would be Shang-Chi. I believe that would be Shang-Chi. Now, if we're talking, okay, I think Shang-Chi wins with the rings and um, Jones has the iron fist. I think Shang-Chi wins. If they're both without their power, I think Shang-Chi wins. If Iron Fist has the iron fist against Shang-Chi without the rings, I think Iron Fist wins that fight. But most personally, I think Shang-Chi wins, but it all depends on who's writing it. It all depends on who the writer is and who the writer wants to have win that fight. All right. Uh, we're now coming up on two hours here, guys, that we've been uh, doing, um, that we've been going, guys. So we're going to wrap, uh, we're going to wrap up this segment. Then we're going to take another five minute break. As I rest, you can probably tell my voice is getting a little rough. Uh, we're going to take a quick five minute break for me to rest my voice, refill my drink again, run, use the bathroom, let you guys do the same thing. So let's get through this question here first. This one comes to us from Q. 
And Q writes, one of three, John, I can't begin to describe how much Shang-Chi means to me, not just as an Asian American seeing us represented in a superhero genre film, but surprisingly struck me emotionally too. I completely fell for Tony Leung's Mandarin and understood uh, what he was going through with the loss of his wife. As a child, one of my happiest memories was watching Tony's Hong Kong films with my dad. That's awesome. Uh, He passed away a few years ago and I'm still grieving. So when the scene came where the Mandarin was about to die and he looks at Shang-Chi and passed on the 10 rings to him I cried like a baby my girlfriend had to console me it brought back so many wonderful memories of my dad Shang-Chi will always always be special to me um yeah listen again that whole ending part uh Q where he makes his last act an act of self-sacrifice to save his son number one to save his son sacrificing himself in the process of doing it and then passing on his most prized possession of his many lifetimes, the 10 rings, passing them on to his son. And just the way, I mean, Tony Long is such a badass actor. The way he's just looking at Shang-Chi, just the way he's looking at him, it's powerful and moving. Um, It's just, it's unbelievable. I just, I, I, it's just, it's emotional and it's beautiful and it's, and it was earned. That's the other thing. It was earned in the movie. That moment was earned through the expression of bitterness, seeing their close early relationship, the joy they used to have a family, their shared grief over the loss of the mother as the father went off on a dark path and the son on a different path, then coming together feeling that thing for each other, but also the bitterness that's there. And then for it all to end end with him saving his son's life in an act of self-sacrifice and passing on the rings to him. It was an earned, beautiful, gorgeous, narrative-driven, character-driven moment that was incredibly special and beautiful. And I loved it. I loved it. Absolutely did. Okay. Uh, With that beautiful message down, Uh, We are now going to take a five-minute break, guys. Uh, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to go. My throat is getting kind of raw. We've been going for two hours now. Uh, But we are going to take a break for five minutes. I'm going to rest up the voice, uh, go get another drink. You guys, talk amongst yourselves. Run, use the bathroom. Grab yourself something to eat. Hang tight. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back with more Shang-Chi open spoiler discussion. We'll be right back. All right, guys, and we are back. Thank you so much for your patience and indulgence as we took another little break there. Um, just so you guys know, my 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 throat is starting to get a little bit sore here. We've been uh, kind of talking nonstop, projecting into the microphone and everything for about two hours straight here. So I'm going to keep going as long as I can. Um, and uh, then we're going to have to wrap it up. And then whatever questions we still have left over, and we do still have a bunch. We still do have a bunch. There's not going to be a John Campia show tomorrow. So what I will do is whatever questions that are still left over, we will continue live tomorrow. We will do a live stream probably around four o'clock in the afternoon again, where we will do part two of the uh, Shang-Chi open spoiler discussion. And we will get through whatever I don't get through for the rest of the day. Uh, We will get through that. And uh, yes, we will get through the rest of that. And uh, yeah, we'll do that tomorrow. So we will go through as much as we can here and then we will continue on, 
uh, tomorrow, but we'll get through as many as we can right now. Okay. So with that being said, uh, let's keep moving on and we keep moving on with the sock who writes, all right, guys, I'm going to rate this fight out there. Yeah, that was so good. Funniest part. Also love the versatility of the rings. Uh, one of the coolest items in the MCUs thus far. I completely agree. And, you know, but it is funny because, you know, somebody wrote in a little bit earlier that they really didn't like the guy on the bus, the streamer on the bus. I thought he was great. And the audiences I saw the movie with also thought he was great. So I'm glad you thought he was great too. But again, it's all subjective. Different people have different opinions. Different things work for different people and some things don't work for other people. It's totally fair. But uh, I love the guy on the bus. I thought he was great. Okay, next up. Brazilian dude writes, uh, one of two, love Shang-Chi. One nitpick, Shang-Chi is 24 in the movie. While watching, I was like, there's no way he's 24, and lo and behold, Simu Liu is 32. Okay, here's, here's, I believe he's supposed to be in his 30s. I think he's supposed to be in his 30s. But the chronological clock in the movie, he went off at 14, and his dad says, I gave you 10 years to live your life. Well, then that makes him 24. But I believe I heard it's like, I believe I heard Kevin Feige and everything said he's, he's supposed to be in his 30s. So that doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. So unless uh, Wen Wu was just, um, unless Wen Wu was just kind of, um, you know, just speaking in, in vagueness, you know, I gave you like 10 years when really it's been 15 years or really it's been, uh, whatever. I, I believe he, they said he's supposed to be in his, like his early thirties. So, I, I mean, I don't know. So that's, that's a minor inconsistent thing, uh, in the movie. It doesn't bother me, but that is one of the things that stood out to me a little bit too. That's one of the things that stood out to me a bit. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But but then again, like if he was supposed I mean, it depends on what is the year supposed to be in the movie, right? What year is this movie supposed to be in? Because if, if it's post Endgame, let's say it's now two or three years after Endgame and two or three years post post endgame should be five years ahead of where we are right now. Let's okay. Let's do this just for fun. Let's um, let me open up this document here and let me see what I can come up with. Okay. So uh, how old is Shang Chi? Okay. So let's do this. So let's say it's supposed to be current in the MCU. So current MCU is five years ahead of us. So let's say for argument's sake, the year in Shang-Chi is, what are we going to say? Let's say 2026. Let's say the year is 2026. Okay. If the year in Shang-Chi, because remember, we had a five-year jump for uh, Endgame, right? So let's say the year is 2026 in the MCU. Um, Shang-Chi was born, I believe the movie says in 1996. 
Because, or, I mean, let's say 1997. Let's say Shang-Chi was born in 97. Because it's 96 that we see Wen Wu saying, I want to go look for Tao Lo. Let's go right now. He goes, he finds the village. He finds his wife, Lee. He finds her. They fall in love, leave and have a baby. So let's say they have the baby the following year. So let's say he's born in uh, 1997. Okay. Um, So... 19, some people are saying Endgame is in 2019. Yes, but it takes place five years later. So it takes place in 2024. So let's say it's a couple of years after that now. So it's, so we're going to assume for, for the argument, for the sake of this discussion, we're going to say that the movie takes place in 2026, give or take a year or two. Maybe it's a little later, maybe it's a little bit earlier. So let's say Shang-Chi, if his dad met his mom in 2000 or in 1996, let's say Shang-Chi was born in 97, uh, that would make Shang-Chi 29 to 30 years old, De- depending on the month it was bo- he was born versus the month the movie takes place. So theoretically, that would put him at 29 or 30. That would put him at 29 or 30. And that's if Shang-Chi takes j- place just two years after Endgame, which I'm thinking it does. So I don't know. I don't know. They, they never say explicitly how old he is in the movie. All we know is that he was either born in late 1996 or in 1997. And we know the year that this movie takes place in is either 2025, 2026, or 2027, depending on how they time it out. So I think it's safe to say that... Um, he's either 29, 30, or let's even say maybe 31 years old. 29, 30, or 31. So that's what I'll go with. That's what I'll go with. Uh, j- just for now, I'll go with, with that. But he's not 24, all right? He's not 24. So uh, I'm going to go with 29, 30, or 31 is what he's supposed to be in the movie. So that's going to be my guess at any rate. That's going to be my guess. Uh, okay, next up. Uh, where are we going now? We are going over to, um, where are we at? Oh my gosh. I'm in totally the wrong spot. How did I end up there? Give, give me a second here. How did I end up here? Oh, I know how I'll say that was from, uh, that's a different document. (laughs) That's a different document. Okay. We are over to, uh, Brazilian dude. Um, and lo and behold, Simu Liu is 32. I guess Simu has the same agent as Ben Platt. Joking aside, what a great movie. On my way to watch it for a third time. So again, he's not 24 in the movie. He's either 29, 30, or 31 in the movie, depending on how we do the math on that. So anyway, that's just me. All right, uh, next up. Mike A writes, I really would like to know what that first post credit scene meant. I know it was basically welcoming Shang-Chi to the MCU, but there was more to it. Yeah, so it was introducing a mystery. Not only did did we basically get sent that the superhero community was now welcoming in Shang-Chi because, you know, we have Captain Marvel there, we have Hulk there, we have Wong there, and they're saying welcome to the circus. Like, they're welcoming him. Like, he just saved the world. This guy just saved the world from a threat we didn't even know about. Like, Wong and Captain Marvel and Banner, they're like, we didn't even know this threat to our world existed, and you stopped it. Welcome to the circus. You're in. 
So there was that purpose. But the other purpose was to introduce the mystery that is now going to be a big question moving forward. Who and what are the rings and who and what are the rings calling out to? So that to me was the purpose of the post credit scene. But And we'll see where they go with that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Alex Perez writes, Cy, John, I wish you didn't hype the movie so much. I thought it was an okay movie. It lost me once the creature started appearing. Seven out of ten for me. I mean, listen, Alex, first of all, I did not hype the movie. All right. I did not hype the movie. I told you how much I liked it. I didn't tell you you would like it the same amount as me. I told you the facts. And the fact is that to me, this was the best comic book movie since Logan. I never said you would agree with me. I never said you're going to like it as much as me. My job, my job is to tell you what I think. That's my job. Whether it's popular or unpopular, my job is to tell you what my opinion on things is. And then you get to take my opinion and you get to use it as a tool in shaping your own opinion, whether it's totally different than mine or totally the same as mine. Right? But I never hyped up this movie. I simply told you the facts. I love this movie. I think it's the best comic book movie and I still do since Logan. That's a fact. That is a fact. That is what my opinion was. So me saying my opinion was this, that's the fact. And you are going to have your own opinion to it. But listen, Alex, there are a lot of people out there who like the movie even more than I do. There are a lot of people out there who like it even more than I do. And by the way, if you think it's just an okay movie, why are you giving it a score that's just three points away from being perfect? Like to me, that's an okay movie is a five. An okay movie is middle of the road. If you're giving it a seven, that means you make, you think it's more than an okay movie, but that gets into the whole debate of scoring systems again, but it is what it is. Anyway, Alex, listen, we all watch movies and they all hit us in different ways, right? You should never expect that you will like or dislike a movie the exact same that I do, right? You're going to have your own experience with it and your experiences are every bit as valid as mine, but yeah, I never hyped it up. I simply told you how I felt about it. And I never said you're going to think it's the greatest movie of all time, but that's just me. Anyway, um, Abhisk Das writes, uh, let's see. F9 and Shang-Chi opened this Friday in India and Shang-Chi beat F9's box office collection by almost double. Uh, that too, without any publicity waiting for us box office data looks like it's a global hit. Yeah. It, and it made more domestically here, uh, than it did. Um, then it, then fast nine did fast nine made $70 million in its opening weekend, by the way. Fast 9 made $70 million on its opening weekend with there not being a new Delta variant spike going on. And that is under the circumstances, that's the circumstances which Shang-Chi was released with a, with a big Delta variant spike going on and it still made more than Fast 9. Fast 9, an established, celebrated, long-running franchise and Shang-Chi, no big stars, Nobody knows who the character is and it still made $71 million, $71.4 million. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. All right. Uh, let's see here. Next up, we got Ahmed uh, who writes, love this movie, but 
I still prefer watching movies at home. Ha <laughs> ha. Anyways, how goosebumpy was that scene when Shang-Chi was coming down the sky? Dude, I, I, you guys, you already heard me talking about it. I just about lost my shit on that. Down the sky, camera pans out, and he's able to finish off the dragon. Dude, it was awesome. As far as, man, thank fucking God I never watched this on TV at home. Being in an audience, like, ooing and awing and laughing and cheering and everything with an audience, like... You take that, you can take that. I mean, look, all due respect to how you prefer it. All due respect. But I'm going to talk about it from my personal perspective, right? You take that watching movie shit at home. You you take that home watching movie shit. You take it and you keep it. You take it and you keep it all day. Don't get me wrong. I love that I can go back and watch movies again at home later. I love that. But I don't want to watch Endgame with Portal Scene. I don't want my first experience of that being at home with somebody talking in the other room and my phone going off over here and I'm by myself. It's like, yay, I don't want that. And I'm sure damn happy that I, my first experience with Shang-Chi wasn't some shitty home TV. And I say that as a guy with like a 75 inch surround sound, everything. I've got a great home theater system. I do, but it's total shit compared to a movie theater with an audience of fellow fans getting excited and cheering together and laughing together. Anyway, we're not going to get into this whole debate again, but all due respect, from my point of view, you can keep that watching a movie for the first time at home shit, and you you can have it all to yourself. As far as I'm concerned, my brother, you can keep that. All right. Anyway, but I'm glad you love the movie, man. I, I loved it, too. All right. Let's see here. Next up, uh, Mike A writes, I forgot to put one of two for my last question, but the first post credit scene was very exciting because we got to see Bruce Banner. His arm is healing well. Yeah, again, I want to know, even though it's okay if we don't. Um, by, by the way, just quickly, Josh Flask is writing in something that he's obviously confused about. People talk about this weekend's box office, but for this weekend, we still have Monday. No, you do not. Let's be very, very clear about this, okay? You, what a movie makes in a long holiday weekend does not count as its opening weekend. It doesn't count. So Shang-Chi's official opening weekend box office number is $71.4 million. That is the official opening weekend number. Now, after Monday, it'll have a number of the four-day long weekend. The four-day long weekend number is this is probably going to be $83 million, but the official opening weekend number does not count the extra day of the holiday. It always just counts Friday, Saturday, like Thursday night previews. That's counted as Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's how it's calculated. That's that way. You're always comparing apples to apples instead of apples to oranges. So uh, my friend uh, in the live chat, you can give the opening weekend number because you don't count what the fourth extra day on the weekend was. That counts as its long weekend amount, but its actual official weekend number is now in. It is $71.4 million. So there we go. Okay. Uh, let's keep going here, shall we? Um, oh, no. Yeah. So we're just getting started here. Um, uh, Bruce Banner's arm is healing well. Uh, yes, it is. And I'm, I'm just glad he's not Professor Hulk anymore. Don't get me wrong. Professor Hulk had his moments, but I really do prefer Hulk, not Professor Hulk. I prefer Hulk and I prefer Bruce. 
that it was, listen, I respect what the Russo brothers are trying to do. They were trying to do something different. And I always respect it when a filmmaker is trying to do something different, but that doesn't mean it worked. It doesn't mean it worked. And I didn't think that that worked. So I'm, I'm very, very glad to see Bruce the way he is now. And I want to see when he gets angry, that savage Hulk comes out. That that's what I want to see personally, but that's just me. All right. Where are we at here? Uh, we are not at, we're now at Kevin cow who writes, this film apps is absolutely amazing from the chemistry between everyone, the father and the son story and the love story between Wen Wu and the fight scenes. I just didn't want to leave. And the great protector dude, there is nothing I didn't love about this movie there. I, I can't think of a thing I didn't love about the movie. Uh, again, there are a few moments here and there where the CGI I thought was a little bit iffy. Um, Yeah. I mean, I loved all the supporting characters. I love the dialogue. I love the mythology. I love Tao Lo. I love the Ten Rings. I love the story of Wen Wu. I like the story of Shang-Chi. I, I love the dynamic and the relationship between Shang-Chi and Katie. I love the post credit scenes. I love the mythology. I love the dragons. I just fucking love this movie. I love this movie so much. Okay, anyway, uh, thanks for sending that in, Kevin. All right, next up. Uh, Collins E. Right. Do you think uh, Zai Ling will continue the Ten Rings as a terrorist organization or try to make it a force for good? I don't I, I think neither. I think she's going to use it for her own purposes, but I do not think she's evil. Again, we we touched on this a little bit earlier, but she literally saved Katie's life when she barely even knew Katie. Kaylee was falling out of the building. She came back and specifically went out there and saved her life. And she was willing to sacrifice herself for the greater good in the final battle, right? Remember when the mega soul sucker was trying to pull her away from the great protector and Shang-Chi is holding onto her with the rings. And she's saying, let me go. You got to let me go. She was willing to sacrifice herself for the greater good. So no, I do not believe we're going to see her carrying it on as a terrorist organization. But She's going to have, she's also not creating a new superhero team. I think she's going to use it for her own. Per, she's going to build her own empire, right? Not doing evil, but she's going to build her own empire. So I think we're going to see her doing it for her own purposes. So that's, uh, that's just me. All right, guys got to make this the last question of the day, because I don't know if you can tell, but my voice is almost completely gone. We're coming up on two and a half hours that we've been doing this today. So whatever we don't get through We'll pick up tomorrow. We'll, we'll go live tomorrow at like 4 p.m. And we will pick this up live tomorrow and get through all the rest of the things on Shang-Chi. So we'll do a part two of this tomorrow. Okay. So uh, Kevin Callister writes, uh, who slash what are the rings calling? That's been the big question here today. Will it be Galactus or something else? I feel like this will be a big bad in Avengers 5. Uh, Zai Ling taking over the 10 rings. Will she be good or bad? Again, I think she's going to be. Her, she's not going to be evil. She's that made. I think Shang-Chi made it pretty clear. She's not evil. She's not an evil character. She's building her own empire. Uh, welcome to the circus again. I thought that line was great. I really did. I thought that line was fantastic and I liked it very, very much. Okay, guys, listen, still more to come from uh, more from Kevin Cow, James Argento, Lori, A-Train, Yomi, and others. Do not worry. We will pick this up tomorrow. We will go live tomorrow at, say, let's say 4 p.m. Let's say 4 p.m. tomorrow. We will go live tomorrow, and we will go live with a live chat and everything, and we'll get through all the remaining questions together for Shang-Chi, the open spoiler discussion, 
part two. We'll do that tomorrow. Don't forget, guys, there's no John Campia show tomorrow because it is the holiday Monday, and I'm going to be off at 11 o'clock in the morning going to watch Shang-Chi for a one, two, three, four, five, sixth time, ladies and gentlemen. Sixth time I'm going to go watch that tomorrow. Uh, anyway, guys, I hope you guys have a fabulous night. Come on back and join us for the uh, for the Shang-Chi thing tomorrow. I want to see everybody back here again. And uh, yeah, guys, that'll do it for me for now. My voice is really almost gone. You can probably totally hear it. Anyway, guys, remember to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves. Please take care of the people around you. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my brothers and sisters in film fandom, bye-bye.